Breaker Breaker, what's your 20? This here's the podcast crew. We're hauling up at 901, about to hit the airwaves. Ready for bookstores, cool chatbots, and the explosive relationships you'll only find in. You've got mail. Well, rev up your modems for an earful of you've got mail. The Ultimate Hacker Podcast. Fans of cinema. Cyber. Hope I'm much like. That is, if you're not some no good. Superstore. Breaker, breaker, good buddy. Expect in depth analysis, breaking news about the cast and crew, a little internet protocol. And we'll even have a something for your inbox. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. Hello and welcome to another episode of You've Got Podcast. Why do I always forget the name of our podcast? <laughs> I I don't think you're sloppy. You're getting uh, you know you're getting getting uh, well, lazy in your because I always want to say you've got mail. I'm staring at the words you've got mail in. Just well, you need repeated. a sign right in front of you that says earful. Just a big dangling huge sign that says earful, and then you'll look at that sign and say earful. There is that too, yeah. Then you'll finish everything else and say earful of You've Got Mail, the name of the podcast. Uh, we're uh, we're logged on. We're and, we're online in yeah. this day and age. Like everyone in this day and age, really. Yeah, I mean, this is the the big change. Before 1998, most podcasters would be offline. Uh, in the 1998, they started doing these online podcasts. Yes. Um, we so what we're gonna do for you, the listener, is we're gonna take the seventh five minutes of the movie you've got mail. We're gonna break it down. We're gonna discuss it, uh, and we'll all leave happy. Yeah, leave happy. Um, <laughs> let's leave happy by starting happy, and by starting happy, we can do uh, probably my favorite segment, uh, which is logging onto the '30s chat and wire club. Oh yes, where people meet. That's just my new one. They can use that. Uh, where people meet, in quotes. Uh, wire Club. Uh, I am NY153, and you're NY152. Yep. And uh, we're about to type in uh, our, uh, our key, key line. line pies. So for these five minutes, what's the key line? Three, two, Are one. Are you ready? Oh, wait, 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 oh, wait, wait, wait. What? Are you what? ready to do? I just want to... I'm ready to do. You're ready? Okay. This is why would I not? Why would I be counting down if I wasn't ready to do? Well, you didn't really explain what key line pie is. Well, the listeners listened to six of these already. No, they have not. Okay. Well, we're gonna lucky number seven. Okay. What's the what's the most important line in this entire five minutes? We're about to send them to each other on the on the internet and read them out. And if they match, then we get a point. And if they don't match, then we lose three points. That's correct. Okay. I'm ready to type in. So three, um, two, two, one, one. It's He's going to take over everything. Uh, not a match. Not a match today. All right, we lose three points. What are we at now? Uh, I think we're at 100. Oh, wow. We've been doing pretty well thus far. So, Sad to uh, lose three, though. Yeah, exactly. Uh, any Anything else uh, before? Because we cannot explain any news now. Uh, we cannot uh, you know, apologize for any mistakes. We, uh, yeah, we really can't do a whole lot um, yeah. before the break. Uh, um, but what we can do is uh, play the theme song. A, B, C, D, F, G, H, I, J, 
this is the segment news new, news views and screws that's correct yes uh, do we have any news uh, I don't think so I we have some I don't think so no news is good is it, news. you made some changes to the website I thought uh, that's two apps ago well, oh. what are you gonna say okay well I don't know there's new there's drinks on the website now that's two apps ago. Okay. All right. I don't remember us talking about that on the show. So I, yeah, I and you've been coming, too. I had a bunch of uh, cool new uh, gifts on the front page. I saw some of them. Yeah, I think, right? Uh, that's yeah. all the news I got, but that's old news. Okay. Old news is not uh, new news or good news or bad news. It's just sure. no news. Um, s- screws? Oh, screws. Also, I, I realized I said views, and it should actually be feuds, not views. So, To me, every view is a feud if... You look out the right way. Sure, but uh, let's let's tackle uh, screws first. What screws. Did we get I got wrong? two. I got two big screws. Whoa! Uh, last ep, at one point, I said uh, that the cappuccino sign inside the bookstore at the grand opening was just a neon sign with no text. Yeah. Uh, but actually, if you look closely under the neon sign, it's it's kind of subtle, but it does say cappuccino. So I was wrong about that. There okay. is text. Okay. Uh, yep. One other screw, too, is offhand, I was talking about uh, the licensing of the movie. I said, I said Paramount offhand. I think I had Godfather in the head, uh, which is a Paramount movie. But, in fact, this is, of course, as you remember from the pixelated opening credits, it is uh, Paramount. Warner uh, it is Warner. Brothers. Yeah, it's Warner Brothers. Yeah. WB. WB, the, the, the bros. W's. Um, feuds? Feuds. Ongoing feud. Well, that's old news. Uh, okay. The only, I'd say, anti-feud uh, is we got a like from... Uh, the account Love You've Got Mail, which yeah. is uh, titled You've Got Mail, Tom Hanks McGrath, 1998. Yeah. It's only, uh, uh, they've only like three tweets total. One is their own, and uh, one uh, is ours. So that's a really good, you know, I'm very happy. They're an ally. Great. Uh, plus, it, wait, is that is that uh, the opposite of a feud? Is the... Yeah, it's an anti-feud. Uh, okay, an allude. An allude. Right. This is You've Got Spoilers. I'm going to break in here. I'm not sure I really followed the uh, opposite of a feud is an allude. An allude. An, an alliance. <laughs> an allude is an alliance. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cross between an alliance and an anti-feud. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's an allude. Uh, is that, is that uh, spelled like qualudes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, it's spelled like Dan qualudes. Oh, very good. Uh Okay, so uh, this is the segment, uh, You've Got Spoilers. You do. I do. You do. Yeah, the whole world is full of spoilers. Uh, we have spoilers for these five minutes, which will help you contextualize what we're spoiling and analyzing. But let's spoil it first the so you don't spoil help later. you contextualize what we're spoiling. If you spoil early, uh, you won't have to worry about being spoiled later. I say spoil early, spoil often. Absolutely. Okay, so without further ado... Afterwards, Joe, his father, and grandfather attend the opening of the Fox Books out- Outlet. Oh. Um, a I hard, got, I, hard sentence, or hard, was that a hard, is that it's, a hard it's, semicolon or something? Yeah, well, it's, it's a, it's a uh, you know, kind of a, a uh, what was that, uh, a glottal stop, a full glottal stop. Uh, but uh, it's, it's hard, you have to get it from the throat. Uh, the Fox Books Outlet. 
uh, which turns out to be a big hit. With oh, everyone, yes. yeah, it's a hit. Absolutely, with everyone in the neighborhood coming there and shopping. At the same time, Kathleen's store keeps losing their clients and is her business. Is that an L O O S I N G? I'm glad you picked that up. Yes. Yeah, yep, yeah, I thought so. Uh, losing their clients and her business suffers, but she remains optimistic, even though her workers weren't. Um, well, we can talk about that. I think that's an accurate summary. All right, I, I don't know. know. I mean, I, optimism is optimism a functional thing, or is it about an internal state that's like your actual mental experience? No, I think it's. Well, she, wait, you're saying she remains optimistic. I, I mean, I think there is... I don't think anyone's really optimistic. Oh, I, I see. You're saying she's not optimistic. Well, no, she... Okay, she, she's, she's externally kind of optimistic. She's projecting optimism. Well, we're, we're spoiling the analysis. Let's, let's move okay. on. All right. A writer comes to the store and talks to Kathleen about doing her book signing at her store. At the publishing party, both the couples arrive and Kathleen finds out that Joe failed to mention that he was part of the Fox family... <laughs> <laughs> I love that's such a good way to phrase it. He did. I mean, he fa- <laughs> how many times you have a, uh, a you know a conversation <laughs> with someone and fail to mention that you're part of a certain family? <laughs> oh, it's such a good way to. Okay, good. All and right. accuses him of spying on her shop and deceiving her. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's Fox a- in the hen house. She's found him. Yeah, he's out of the hen house with like a big uh, mouthful of eggs. Boy, it's satisfying when that thing ends. That's great. Yeah, it's <sighs> nice when it starts. Wonderful when it ends. Yes, uh, indeed, indeed. Whoa! Speaking of which, speaking of which. Uh, okay, so uh, we're now spoiled. We can now begin to analyze. Well, we got to sink first, and then we can analyze. Is that, yeah, nice is that ten minutes we in. We're pretty close. Uh, yeah, we're, so let's... yeah, we're very efficient today. Okay, so I'm re- I'm ready to sink. I think people know what's up. I am. Uh, I'm also ready to sink. I have it up here. I've got a whole. Uh, should we spend a little bit of time on the setup? Oh yeah. Uh, any new setup uh, details? Uh, not no significant details. I do have. Weirdly, I've just been accumulating these over the course of the day. But uh, in front of me, there are three beverages. Um, two of them are have a bunch of melted ice in them and are now just full glasses of mostly melted ice with the remnants of a thing. Nice. And one of them is is a can of Red Bull. Uh, but the two things, I have a half-full glass of lime white claw and then an almost entirely full glass <laughs> of uh, whatever flavor of natural light seltzer you gave me. Catalina lime mixer, baby. Catalina lime mixer. So those are sitting there, not really being consumed. Oh, and then we have the... That's uh, devastating to, to waste that, so... Um. It, well, there's... I was only able to pour half of it into the glass. <laughs> so. It's a generous pour. Uh, I'm not. I did not realize this setup included beverages. Uh, that's this is news to me. <laughs> uh, on my table, I uh, outside my equipment, which is boring. Don't don't forget that. I, I do have a second cup of coffee. Uh, it's in, in my uh, Palo Alto end of the rainbow mug. Uh, <coughs> All right, I got some Red Bull in my in my throat now. Uh, Very good. In the in the somewhere, yeah, somewhere back there. Um, so uh, no, but the other part of the setup that might be more relevant here is I have I've got the dual screen setup going. I got the laptop here that's running the whole show, and then I've got up there on the PC I've got my my um, 
you know, uh, You've Got Mail segment. So highly recommend the dual screen setup when you're when you're watching You've Got Mail. How, mu- how much more, like, I guess, uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe aggressive or just maybe more uh, precise have you been since you got the uh, airplane flight controller controller to do the show? <laughs> I have, well, so that is I'm just sitting, imagining, I can't see you right now, but I'm imagining yeah. that you're just sitting there, hand on the hands throttle. Up, hands on the controls. Just full Top Gun mode. Uh, no, it's actually that I actually moved that off the desk to create a little more space oh, this no. time. Yeah, I wanted a little more room for all of the essentials. So, mm, too bad. Know. Too bad. Okay, shall we sync? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, I am so. also ready. So, what you're gonna do if you're if you're at home or not at home, you're gonna go home. Uh, you're gonna grab the seventh five minute chunk. Uh, well, first of all, if you don't have chunks, go and chunk the movie. Please chunk the movie. <laughs> please, please chunk the movie first. Once you've this is chunk- kind of like a pl- be kind rewind, uh, be kind chunk. Yes. Uh, once you've chunked it, then you're gonna go home again. If you aren't already home, if you're already home, then I think you should go. You should go. Out, you should stay home and chunk it. Stay home. Well, I mean, especially these days, stay home, chunk it, and load it, lock it, uh, loop it, and you're gonna get ready to play it when we say uh, go. Okay, I'm already. I'm a protocol initiated. Five, five, four, four three, three, two, one. Five, four, four, three, two, one. Three, five, four, four three, two, one. Two, five, four, three, two, one. One, five, four, three, two, one. Go. Uh, wow. How, how's the sync? Um, pretty good. Well, I don't know yet. All I'm seeing is all there is music, so it's yeah, hard. Kill, to, kill hard your to music. Um, no what? protests, no demonstrations. Your music's so done. Oh. Well, <laughs> all there is is music. All I hear is music. Why is that? How's the children's oh. There's well, my key line right there. School's not out, and there is that children's it's, store a, it's a memorable line. I don't know if it's really key. Well, we'll get to that later. Um, so we open on. Well, let's not get it. Let's talk about more about uh, what we have to talk about as far as scenes. Well, I was going to say we open on on scene one. We don't know that yet. We don't. Okay. We cannot all right. Know that. All right. Well, there's some. There's a few scenes. One there of them is this one. I would say there are three scenes. There with a couple substances. There's some substance. Um, yeah, I'd say three scenes with a couple substance. Okay, I think the whole thing is substance, but. Um, so we have uh, the the finale of the bookstore opening, which I would say I have a question for you. Uh, that whether it's in doubt, but let's just say we're at Fox Books and Brothers. Well, it's Fox Fox Sons and Books. Fox and Sons books. booksellers. Yeah, Fox and Sons books. Uh, yeah, so we're at Fox and Sons, and we've we we spend more time there. Let's just say that. Yeah, a little bit more. We see where that sale sign goes, you know, for a little bit longer. Um, so, yeah, so we get – that's scene one. Scene two, we're over at, at Kathleen Kelly, shop around the corner, hanging out for a bit. Yeah, well, I'd say location-wise, scene two is very coherent. We are at um, we're at the shop around the corner. Yes. Uh, scene three, we are at the party. Uh, not just any party. The publisher's booksellers party? I don't think so. Publisher's Clearinghouse Party? No, I believe uh, the person hosting the party, it's Vince's party. Vince. Yeah, Vince Mancini. Vince Mancini. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we'll, we'll get more into it, but we're at okay. I think there's a couple sub-scenes in that. We'll, we can get that later. Yeah. Uh, because it's a big scene, uh, but I think it would be helpful to chop it down into two things. So I'd say actually the second scene, too, Shop Around the Corner. One scene or one sub-scene or, or two? Um, Shop Around the Corner, uh, two. I mean, yeah, two sub-scenes. I'd say there's one with George, one without George. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm already going to... I, okay, ordering. I'd like to do scene one and then scene two... And then finally, scene three. Um, I'll, I'm, I'm okay. Oh, we forgot about the walking scene. I don't know what you're talking about. There's a walking scene before the before the party scene. Who's walking? Frank and Kathleen. I don't think that's true. Walk through. New they walk York. through the doorway. No, they walk along the streets of New York. That's not true. What? No, they don't walk. As they far don't. as we know, we see them open. At the doorway oh, is of the that party. not them walking? <laughs> is that just I... other people walking on okay, the street? Okay, actually, I did not think so. But, okay, you might be right. I, <laughs> I, I didn't actually realize there's any people walking. I think it's the <laughs> same guy from the opening credits. No, I... That guy's continuing I... to jog around No, here. the whole point is they're going to the party. <laughs> it's it's establishing shot. You don't no, need no, to show that. They're talking over it. It's... All right. Well, well I, can, I can get more into them talking over right. it. There's a I'm whole just, thing. I, we have a scene two and a half, all right? Two, scene two and a half exists. We'll talk about the establishing shot. Okay, uh, scene one. Want to talk about? It? I would like to talk about scene one because it's this again. Is I mean, it's it's really it's the highlight of the movie so far for me. The opening of Fox Books is Hello. just fantastic. Well, it's full what, of energy. Your... It's bright. It's fun. Ah, it's just exactly what you're looking for. Well, what's the, your existing favorables uh, for the song Splish Splash? My ex- you mean like have I heard it before? Well, have you heard it and, you know, do you treat it favorably or disfavorably? Well, I, I'd heard it in the movie You've Got Mail, um, which I saw at a young age. Um, so I clearly had heard it. Um, I don't know where else I've heard it, but I've probably heard it somewhere here and there. You know, no, I probably like heard it. The... <laughs> I literally heard it thousands of times. Um, what a great song. Wow. Okay. I don't think I've heard it thousands of times. It, tells it might a great have been story. on, like, my sister and I had, like, a karaoke machine. When we were kids, like, a, you know, not like a professional one, but like a, you know, like a home kit. For your home karaoke bar? For the home karaoke bar. And I think, I, I mean, it, I I could easily see it having been on one of those discs. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. I remember uh, Kids Songs, this intolerable series of, of, of pop hits done uh, via kids singing badly. Wait, isn't that Kids Bop? Uh, Kids Bop is kind of a it's it's a uh, predest- I mean, it kind of takes the idea of it but it came much later. Uh, uh, Kids mm-hmm. Song is a mid eighties eighties early nineties thing. Oh. Uh, Kids Bop is a late nineties thing. I see. Uh, as far as I know. Well, this movie's a late nineties thing. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. So, but I'm just saying I, I think Splish Splash was on the Kids Songs. Um, but okay, uh, let's talk about the let's talk about the opening. Oh, so there's no protests, no demonstrations. Um, the Fox family's walking in. Well, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. It starts oh. with a matching shot of the uh, sign continuing to be carried around. Yeah, I mean, it's. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a matching shot. I think it's the same shot, uh, and we have just been seeing it in two separate segments. But I think, well, people, I believe, just have a tendency to split movie into five-minute segments. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's a matching shot that helps, you know, gain continuity. Uh, one thing you don't notice on the very end of that shot, uh, there's a person. There's people sitting throughout the store enjoying the Fox and the Sons booksellers. Oh yes. Uh, there's a pillar, and there's this uh, young woman, like sitting on the ground against the pillar. 
Yes. Which is a great, I mean, also. That's the thing you totally could have done in a Barnes and Noble back in the day. Yeah. I mean, I'm usually used to places that are like uh, chronically undersat. And if you like uh, library book sales is a classic example and you want to check out your books, you have to like actually just find a corner and sit there. It's great. Uh, But I'm not used to that people doing that in actual bookstores, but it's possible. It, well, in, in a roomy, in a in a five story roomy bookstore like Fox Books, you certainly can. Anything goes. Yes. Uh, we get a shot before the fam of uh, people checking out books at the cashiers. Yes, lots of sales happening. Lots of mugs. Uh, you know, at those little you know they got a stack of mugs. Yeah, the uh, nice pyramids of mugs. Uh, they have a very competent. It's like we see four or five cashiers just in unison. It looks like a like classic industrial. Uh, like Soviet, uh, you know, uh, propaganda. It's like they're just like chugging along and just, you know, pumping out the orders. Uh, and uh, they're upselling too. Like the ends, like have a book. It's like, oh, I'll have a book and a coffee mug of the yeah. place I bought the book at. I mean, they're nice coffee mugs too. Those look great. I want to get one of those. Fox Books coffee mug. I mean, they made them for the movie. Uh, they, they, oh, I'm they, sure you can get them. I'm sure someone has made them or. There's official merch out there. I still, mean, well, we have established last week that even though the URL for the bookstore is prominently established, uh, it's not being used. So <laughs> there's a lot of lot of IP that is just sitting out there, not used. So, and then the other thing, I don't think this. I need to look closer at this, but there there is a the woman that checks out and adds the mug on does look a bit like the author that comes in in the next scene. Miranda. Miranda. Huh. Interesting. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's her, but it. it there's a visual sim. There they are walking. Uh, <laughs> the two of them. You know what? Okay. I, I, me and <laughs> me Copa, I just I wasn't looking there. That is them. Yeah. Which actually explains a lot. Okay, I'll get to them later. But okay. okay. Thank, thank you for the... Uh, anyway, so it's po- so we should we should be on Miranda Watch is what I'm saying for the... Um, for the... Uh, uh, the mysterious source. Miranda. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. So then they go through, and we see uh, four four people walk into the room. Uh, yes, and they are uh, Dave Chappelle, Kevin Jackson, Kevin Jackson. <laughs> Good name. Uh, Kevin, I, I believe is just like head of operations of this outlet. Is that correct? Uh, what's his actual role? He's like I don't know, COO. <laughs> I think he's more. I think he's actually just uh, he, the he's, point he's guy. For, this branch. This is his his yeah. branch, and yeah. Okay. He's the guy who does work, and but I think the official head of the branch might be Joe Fox. Uh, but oh. of course, he doesn't actually do much work. No, yeah. but he's there. Okay, and then the whole Fox clan is down from the Fox box and has been and is being escorted into the store. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, you know the Greek gods are down from Mount Olympus and walking among the mortals. Yes, and they are loving it. They um, are. Uh, so they. I mean, okay. Here's the question for you. Yes. Is the scene of them walking around and talking, is this definitely the same time as the previous shots, which is the grand opening? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's the day of the grand opening for sure. Well, I mean, they cut shots, and usually if you see a quick shot in a movie, you anticipate it being the same time. I don't even think because of the shots. No, I'm saying because of what they're talking about. They're saying, you know, no protests, whatever. Like, they're commentating on the logistics of the opening day. They're, the only thing I find confusing... Is he is asked, uh, Nelson asked Joe, how is the children's department doing? And Joe says, it's like, oh, I don't know. It's not doing too well, but it is early yet. Which I would say, I think I could imagine asking that a couple days in. 
I can't imagine asking, how is this department sales doing? <laughs> like, literally a couple hours after the store opens. I don't know. You want those real-time metrics? <laughs> I just like that. Just, oh, it's early. We've only been open for about 30 minutes. Oh, let's, let's listen. Let's listen. Yeah. No protests, no demonstrations. The neighborhood loves us. They're wondering where we've been all these years. They're wondering how they ever did without us. It's a hit. How's the children's department? Well, it's early yet. School's not out, and there is that children's store nearby. Shop around the corner. Cecilia's store. Cecilia Kelly. I think we might have had a date once. Her daughter owns it now. We'll crush it. She was enchanting. So he's, he does ask, he doesn't actually ask, how is the children's section doing? He asks, how is the children's section? But Joe takes that. He's well, all no, no, excuses. But, well, no, but Joe may be talking about, like, the book selection. He wants to acquire the... Oh, it's like, we're, it's <laughs> empty shelves because we we, we have not liquidated. <laughs> well, that seemed to be the issue with the architectural... Uh... Yeah, that's their main way to acquire books. <laughs> They are. They don't actually have any supply chains. The book publishers. They merely uh, liquidate other bookstores. It's hey, that's a it's a cheap way to get a lot of books. Yeah, they're they're a fully scavenger based uh, you know bookseller. Um. So okay, and then there's another uh, uh, aspect of this scene which is my key line, um, which is uh, what's his name again? Grandfather. Skyler. 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 Uh, it's, I mean, I think you could say it either Scoiler or like Scoiler, Scoiler, that's not an I, that's like a Scoiler, uh, yeah. you know, in a real Dutch way, or you say Skyler, which yeah. is more common, like, because there's a bunch of counties and cities and other places called Skyler throughout, uh, sure, uh, throughout New York, and I think if you're in America, you know, speak like an American, you're probably called Skyler. And so, so he exclaims, One billion per day, 50 million. 4% of the internet. I don't think he says all this. Get the mega manager. It's 10 times faster. Wait for it. Bit by bit. Unlimited. It's a hit. It's a hit. There we go. That's Scoiler right is that, there. Is that, is that the track you took off of a local device? I did. I took I, that that's off what I my, my local music device. It's a hit. Yeah, you, you you picked up on that almost it's immediately. A hit. Uh, it's a hit. I mean, it's a very distinctive. It's a hit. It's a very distinctive, you know, way to say it's a hit. So yeah, we haven't we haven't discussed uh, our real time original uh, feedback, but I believe you commented on that in the original feedback of, of of watching you got mail. Oh, did I did if we check the tweets? You think that's in the tweets? Yeah, if this is, I think we need to go into the segment. Check the tweets. Check the tweets. Are you in a position to check the tweets? I, I'm looking at the tweets right now. Oh, wow. So. I don't have them handy. Yeah, well, the first thing I do is I remember I made the uh, hashtags are very useful, and I made the hashtag, you've got movie magic. <laughs> and uh, I, it continues to be the only use of hashtag, you've got movie magic in the history of Twitter. So it's uh, very good. It's too bad. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm going to... Well, when should I go in here? Um, I will start... I'll just start... Uh, I don't know exactly when this is. Uh, but I believe it's pretty close. Uh, always nice to see characters who have no material concerns, mostly dick around and not do much of substance for a while. Mm. This is good cinema. Yep. Is uh, you've got mail twenty nineteen? Mm-hmm. That's our hashtag we use for all tweets. 
Uh, I wrote, it feels like even in the age of Borders, Barnes & Noble, a bookstore like this that specializes only in children's books would have a good chance of staying afloat. We talked about that later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you say, the Fox Books store opening montage is so incredibly well done. Yes. Oh, wow. Man, past me really syncs up with future me. And then your uh, next uh, tweet is, we hear, it's a hit off screen, which sounds really, really similar to the line in at Kim.com's mega upload song. So I I don't remember thinking that. I don't remember writing that. (laughs) Oh, I, I thought you would have remembered nope, that. Uh, not at all. But I saw this again, preparing for this episode, and came to the exact same conclusion and pulled the clip. So that's that's where we landed. Uh, should we continue to talk about what happens in the uh, in the next couple se- uh, tweets here? Which uh, goes- the, yeah, let's let's finish out the tweets. It's going to be confusing if we don't do all the tweets together. Okay, so these are, these are a little bit later. Essentially, every set the movie features, even this apartment where a party is being held, features many bookcases. Oh. This is pleasant. I yes, that. it is. Very. Is that, I mean, was that you or me? That was me. Okay. Uh, this is you. Drinks are being ordered. We have stolen the rocks and champagne at a minimum. Good continuity with cocktail. Oh wow! I okay. I also rigorously documented the drinks. Well, good. Very good. I'm very consistent. Um, all right, and that is that. All the tweets. Uh, we've checked the tweets. All right, that has been. We check the tweets. Very good. Okay, so there. Okay, then. So they talk about. He says they're they're commenting. I think uh, Skyler is enthusiastic. I think Nelson. Uh, Joe is. I would say uh, he's full of deference. He doesn't really want to control the conversation. Nelson is the man in charge. Sure. Uh, and Skyler is just kind of this demented old man who just yells he's along out things. for the ride. He is, but he brings a lot of energy. Um, okay, but Joe is making excuses for why, why the children's store, uh, the children's <laughs> section is not doing well. And his excuses are that it's early. Sure. Uh, which, I mean, it's not that early. They've been open for hours. Uh, he says uh, children are not out of school yet. Uh, which, yeah. I mean, he seems to be implying is, like, is that a Thanksgiving rush or is that a, a Christmas uh, break rush? Both, I guess. I mean, I can imagine during a summer break, but is is that really like? Oh yeah, would, kids yeah, get would, up for you would think <laughs> kids get up for the holidays. They just go to the bookstore and hang out. Um, we have a we have another participant. Oh, cool! In the, in the Wire Club chat, uh, who is just saying, "LOL, you're both New York male." <laughs> That's correct. Um, yes. Uh, no. So I mean, yeah. A more coherent thing to say here would be, you know, oh, you know, it's we're coming, or you know, it's, we're not yet into the holiday rush yet, or something, or you know, or whatever. But, but that's for parents. I don't think I don't think school children are the main. I don't think parents buying children's books for children is dependent among uh, among kids being out of school. They can buy it while kids are in school. Yeah. Um, I think Joe is just making excuses. Yeah, I mean, Joe is definitely making excuses. That's probably what he does for a living. That's what he does for that's it. It's his main mode of living. Uh, he then he says also there's one children's uh, bookstore around the in, in the area, which he's implying is still holding us back. Yes, and that sets up I think a core tension, which is important to continue. Which is shop around the corner is not is not just an opportunity to acquire more inventory of books but is also a potential threat if it were to continue to exist i mean it certainly seems that these uh either they're being uh realistic and saying they must liquidate competition if they have any chance of succeeding 
or they're saying that uh, in f in fact they're just like you know hunting it for fun uh, because Nelson says we'll crush it and he's, he's very enthusiastic about it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then Skylar, this is a bit I would have never picked up the first time. You have to watch it many times. Uh, you, you see what he's doing here? What is he doing? Well, he says, uh, you know, shop around the corner. It's like, oh, that's Cecilia's Cecilia store. store. Uh, I think I dated her once. Charming woman. Um, and, and the bit here, the joke here is, uh, this is exactly word for word of what he said uh, two scenes ago. Sure. Uh, which is kind of implying that he's just senile and he's yes. just going around. Uh, yeah, which, yeah. Yeah. Which also, I mean, I mean, I don't mean to, uh, you know, poke fun at senility, but he also just, I just find him to be a very unpleasant. Uh, I, I don't. I think he's senility uh, is a facade. I think no, he's like going around. He's, oh, oh, I, I see. think he's playfully senil, like being senile because he really it works to his advantage. Yeah, because he really wants just to be like a psycho. Because mm. like, what does he do? He talks. I mean, we've. What have we? Uh, he, he is the. He dated uh, this bookstore owner in the past. Uh, is probably the father of Kathleen. Uh, and then, you know, even though it didn't work out well, she was too young, he now is a man in his 80s or so with a young daughter. Uh, it's just, I don't know. What, what is this? What is he up to? Is he, If he's this senile, should he be a father? Uh, I mean, I again, I don't think he's... It's part... It might be somewhat senility. I think it's also just he's just... He is just kind of hanging out and, you know, um, taking life as it comes. He's not hes not thinking about the past or the future. I guess when I saw this at first, like, oh, it's a charming old man. But I guess yeah. when I realized he is a father of an eight-year-old, I'm just like, I have to hold him to a higher standard. Like That's true. That's true. That's it's fair. It's, it really bothers me. He's, I yeah, really do not if like he, this guy. If he has to raise a kid and that is his mode of operation, yeah. Okay, I get that. I, I don't I mean, I feel bad for Annabelle. Um, oh, well, she's, she's got Joe, though. That's the whole thing. I don't think Joe is a good father. No. I don't think he's... I don't think she's he's got him. <laughs> I think that Joe sees her once every couple months, Tops. Yeah. I mean, who, who do they have? Uh, she has uh, Nanny Marine. Wait, do, does, does she have Nanny Marine? Nanny Marine is raising uh, Matthew. Well, probably both of them. I imagine yeah. they, they double a, up on it's that. A double yeah. Do yeah. Yeah, I, I need another living situation. Are they living in one compound? Unlimited. It's a hit. <laughs> trying to time it. Nice. Didn't, didn't quite do it. Uh, we see a statue of statu uh, statue of Liberty. Yes, and uh, she has reading glasses on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, good. so clever. And then we see a nice spiral ramp in the middle of this place. Beautiful. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely store. I try to look up to find out, uh, is there any pictures? Cause I believe they shot this at the Barnes & Noble that closed in the Upper West Side in the mid-90s. I think that's what I remember. Uh, and I can't find, because they reopened one later, uh, so I can only find photos of that. Because, I mean, it's not like it was too common to take a lot of photos of a store in the mid-90s. Now now that's all you do. You go into the store, you don't really shop. You just take photos of it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's uh, yeah, Instagrammable is the only thing they care about. Uh, but I, I did find that there were protests at the Barnes & Noble in, uh, in New York City. Oh, about what? Uh, the only protest I saw uh, was not the protest of, you know, I guess... Uh, here, Kevin Jackson was worried that they would protest the opening, just the fact they're an intruder. Um, yeah, it didn't the seem superstore. Like it, it seemed like his, his strategy was just to like cross his fingers and hope they didn't do it, and you know he got lucky. Well, they had a line out front. You know, they were they were letting people in in an orderly way. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, did, did they say earlier they're working with uh, community organizations to try to stop them from being outraged? I don't remember that line specifically. Uh, let me see. Let's get that in the background. But Okay, so the uh, the one in New York City, uh, the Barnes & Noble, the overall uh, controversy was over someone who's writing a book about burlesque shows. And they wanted to promote the book by doing a burlesque show in front of the store. Uh huh. And Barnes and Noble said, "Oh, I'm sorry, we're a family store. Uh, this is a bit too risque for us, and you can't do it." Uh, so they came by and they decided, "We'll just dance naked in front of the store as a protest that they're being prudish." So, well, because I mean, they, or I guess I mean they could they could do whatever they want to on the sidewalk, you know, public nudity laws, not you know, not withstanding, but like, I mean. Barnes & Noble couldn't prevent them from putting on a burlesque show on the sidewalk, necessarily. Yeah, I suppose the really it's up to the uh, the city itself to imp- enforce, uh, you know, indecent exposure laws. Yeah, uh, or, you know, issue permits for putting a show on on the sidewalk or street or whatever, but... Yeah. yeah. Okay, the line earlier is, we open two weeks before Thanksgiving. So that gives you a date for the opening. Two okay. weeks before Thanksgiving. Yep. Uh, and then Joe says, we should announce ourselves soon, tell people we're coming. Uh, and then the moment, and then Kevin says, the moment they hear, they'll be lining up uh, to pick it. Uh, and apparently they, they just didn't. <laughs> so, you know, they That's got very good. Lucky. They lucked out. They got, yeah, they got extremely lucky. Yeah. I think it was they had really nice uh, foxes on the outside. I think it's just an appealing storefront. Yes. They, I mean, the neighborhood loves them. They do. They're beloved by the neighborhood. They're an institution. Uh, okay, that's all I got for the opening right now. That's all for the opening. It's a lovely opening. Yeah, lovely. Oh, so good. All right. Then we move to the shop around the corner. Yeah, shop around the corner. Uh, I believe the store is uh, currently open. Uh, this is okay. So, if you say that this was the grand opening earlier, which I think is probably true, even though it's, I think it's bizarre that they're checking in on the children's <laughs> area, this is now we flash forward six days. So, this is, uh, I believe, would be, uh, you know, one week until Thanksgiving, more well, or less. Right, because we're looking at, because Cheryl's going to analyze for us the six day period. Yes. Uh, so, which is fascinating. Uh, so, Bert, Cheryl? Cheryl? What, where do you get Cheryl from? Are you saying because she's a, she's a woman, she must be the Sheryl Sandberg of the uh, of the office? Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> oh no, I was drinking Red Bull. Um, <laughs> well, okay, I don't. Know. It's very specific. Her name is Birdie. I know. <laughs> I. <laughs> so when I wrote my notes. <laughs> I couldn't remember her name, and so I just yeah. put a placeholder. <laughs> okay, and your placeholder is Cheryl. I did. I put a placeholder name called Cheryl, and now because it's in my notes, <laughs> I, just took it, I just took it as fact. That's why uh, and... don't <laughs> never put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Oh, okay, that's good. Um, I just like how I read it as if that was the real thing as well. Okay, Birdie. Birdie. <laughs> Uh, Birdie is continuing to use, uh, you know, a point of sale system, possibly an accounting system, on you know a very primitive, you know, like Apple IIe, you know, circa computer. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a you know text based UI. Which I'll say the POS systems that are text based, those are like super responsive. They have great keyboard shortcuts. I people love them. You know? Yeah, people say like never give up those things. So people like they do the job. 
Yeah, you know, they don't take forever to load a bunch of, you know, windows and stuff. Yeah, and you just, like, you touch one of the function keys and just, like, zap, like, a, you know, 10 milliseconds and you're you're doing business. Uh, it's wonderful. Uh, but she's using this this thing, and it, it shows... I, I love the detail. I believe it actually says at the top. You can't read everything, but it says, Shop around the corner. It's a double It's double wide. Shop around the corner. It says, Week of. A little hard to read. Uh, but I believe it would be, like, you know, November 20... Uh, you know, 1996 versus... November 1997. Uh, we've, we've never, yeah, I mean, well, we talked about the continuity a lot, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think it has to be because the movie came out at the end of the year and they wouldn't want to have it be set in the future. That'd be wild. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I think this is late 1997, uh, if I had to date it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good detail, but I can't read the numbers, uh, but it says, like, total. But uh, overall, Birdie reports that they've made $1,200 less than they did the... Uh, you know, before. <laughs> and I don't really know the, the baseline here, so I don't know if that's, like, how much a percentage of their business it is. Uh, well, the fact it, could, and, sto- it could, and it could be a fluke. It could be a fluke. This might not really be anything, uh, you know, big. But I will say uh, the story is completely empty. That seems alarming. Yes, and in fact, Miranda, the author that shows up, does not even, doesn't think there's anyone inside. She acts as if it's, you know, uh, there's... As if it's uh, vacated, she doesn't even bother to to go to the door. Even though she is knocking on the door in, directly in front of the open sign, which you can see is 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 pointed yes. to the open <laughs> open side of it. Uh, um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So it's so, okay. Let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, we we do get a visit from the mysterious Miranda, uh, but we start with a discussion just with the the employees. Yes, and you're I you're gonna love this discussion. Uh, well, I I will be of assistance. Yeah. Um, so they talk about housing. Well, okay, so it starts off, you know, the first thing is uh, our store is in, in danger of closing. Uh, and then we have Christina, who says, I'd say, you know, perhaps a bit uh, selfishly, saying the biggest problem here is that this is this is a perfect fit for her as a part-time job. Without this, without this money, she will no longer be able to live uh, in the area she currently lives, and she'll have to move to Brooklyn. Which I assume means she lives in Manhattan now. Yes, which, okay, we we know she's a student. So she's a student and part-time worker. Uh, I, it's controversial whether she is a high schooler or college student. She's a college student. I would say based on the fact that she, I mean, earlier we're not sure, but I, based on the fact that she would move, it's unusual that high schoolers uh, <laughs> get priced out when they lose their jobs. So I would say she probably is uh, an independent living college student. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, is she going to, you know, City College? I don't know. Uh, there's lots. I mean, there's there are multiple colleges inside in Manhattan, aren't I'm there? I'm saying, if you're going to NYU, I think you're rich enough that you probably aren't going to be priced right, out. She, of your maybe job. she's going to NYU on a scholarship. Uh, I don't. I, you think Christina has a scholarship? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't really buy that story. Uh, well, so wait. What? What are all the? What are all the colleges within the limits of Manhattan Island? Uh, Columbia. I mean, I believe NYU is also on the island. Is it? I don't really know. Uh, I don't really know it too well, too. NYU is. Uh, open up the map here. Oh, very dangerous to open maps while I'm recording things. Uh, yes, NYU is is indeed in wow in like the center of Manhattan. Oh, in, in Central Park. It's not in Central Park. No, in the in the center of uh, downtown Lower Manhattan. Huh. Okay. Um, cool. Okay. 
so yeah, I mean, there's probably there's. Let's see, what are what are all the? Um, uh, do you look up SUNY? C U N Y City University of New York. Uh oh, City University of New York. Wow, I spelled that very wrong. C U N Y. I would just type C U N Y. Is your campus the nation's largest urban university? Um, it is in yeah, four twenty five East twenty fifth Street. Yeah, I just imagine that seems to me the best, the best fit. That seems China. that yeah, I, I'd agree with that. All right, uh, I'd say I mean Columbia people. I think uh, Columbia is you know uh, up in uh, you know the Harlem area, and I think historically like they keep to themselves because it's a very like white campus and it's very privileged, and they you know don't really it's kind of antagonistic to the neighborhood is the you know, stereotype they have of the students there. So they wouldn't work at a at a children's bookstore. I don't think they would. <laughs> It's, I don't know. It's Wonderful. Uh, okay, so one thing that kind of comes from this is, you know, why are you, why do people work? Why are people doing jobs? Sure. Christina uh, explains it, I think, in a very, uh, I'd say, uh, normal way, which is people work at jobs because if they don't, they won't be able to pay rent. Um, I mean, that's, well, I mean, she's in a specific situation where she theoretically wants to be attending school and also wants to not travel very far to get to that school and that school is in manhattan which is an expensive area and so therefore she needs a part-time job to pay for those expenses sure i'm just saying the the main thing is uh you know rent costs money and you have to pay for it by working at predominant wages in an area in order to justify uh, the rent that is charged in the area. It's a vicious, it's a vicious cycle. You know? Sure, I guess I'm saying I, I don't think her primary optimization is the paying of the rent. I think her primary optimization is going to school in this area and everything else kind of is downstream from that. But she has to have a job even though she could just be a student because she has to pay rent. Sure, yeah, but she's got a very nice job. I mean, this is a cool little bookstore job, you know? I mean, she's lucky to have. Also, the difference between her, she is the only person who actually, I think, depends on her job for money. Of the people in this bookstore? Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, we learn about George's situation. It does sound like he does need some money. I mean, four fifty a month is not that that much. Uh, I mean, it was a little bit ago, but he has six rooms. Yeah. Um, which, that's a huge amount of rooms. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, in, in, a, in a deleted line, Birdie says she also has rent control and she has 10 rooms. Wow. You know, she says she just, she just you know, puttered her from room to room. You know, she just... Uh, which Is that... So, do, wait, do, Nor- do New Yorkers actually compare their housing by the number of rooms? Or do they talk about... I mean, most usually people talk about, like, number of bedrooms or number of number of bedrooms and bathrooms not just the total number of rooms uh i'm not a new yorker uh good question I, i'm not exactly <laughs> sure uh but an interesting you know uh so george is a beneficiary of of rent control and a notable difference are you are you familiar with like how rent control is administered in new york city as compared to like san francisco and other places in california i am not uh so there's i, I think the big difference here is uh, between vacancy control and vacancy decontrol uh, vacancy control mostly means uh, this is I first implemented I I think basically I don't know if anything predates it but famously during World War II era uh, they implemented price controls kind of just firm price controls if you can't rent raise the rent more than blank a month hmm. and they kind of just you know, impose this on you know uh, you know apartments throughout the city 
uh, and you know people move out, still tastes really cheap. So there's kind of the idea that you have to be really lucky to get one, mm. uh, but if you find one and move in, you can get the same low rate. So it's just kind of like you know just an incredible bargain. Yeah. Uh, vacancy decontrol is uh, by law, by the Costa-Hawkins law in California, the only sort of rent control that is legal to implement in, in California. Uh, and it says if someone moves out, uh, which is not, you know, not just anyone, but when the entire apartment moves out, uh, it is then reset, or the landlord can reset, which means they will, to market rates. Right, okay. So big, big difference so- there. But but then wait so but how does in but in in the so you're saying in the New York situation you could have a new tenant come in and they actually inherit the old low rent of the old tenant exactly that's vacancy control oh weird so, so I mean the question is how did George get it was it some family member that passed it down to him but you kind of you need a hookup I uh, see yeah which is similar to like around here you know you need a hookup of like oh you can sublet from someone who has a good rate. Uh, if they're a long-time thing, but, you know, it's, I mean, rent control, that, that's one. I mean, rent control, uh, to get on my soapbox for a moment, it is a good system for maintaining stability. It is not a system for making affordable housing uh, because, you know, if you're, you know, if, if it really... Because the price of all the rest of the housing goes up to compensate for the, or, like, basically, does it because it evens out? Well, I think just basically... Uh, you or have to it, be. You have to be a bit lucky to get one. Which yeah. lucky could be. You could be an incumbent person already living there. Which is, I think, that's the idea. You should have stability. Which means that if you're there, you don't get priced out. Uh, but like, let's say you're a new person in. You know, if they're <laughs> getting closer and closer every time. Trying, trying. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I think it's. You know, it is not a way because I say. You know, if if you're trying to make sure everybody has affordable housing, uh, you can't really have it be scarce. And then also, you know, just just a pri- I mean, that's that's the that's the problem with price controls. They don't, sure. you know, they, yeah. they create. Uh, uh, should we listen in here? Yeah, yeah. Twelve hundred dollars less than the same week last year. Well, that could be a fluke, right? Or not. Listen, their store is new. It's a novelty. It will all shake out. Meanwhile, I am putting up more twinkle lights. That's a fine idea. What if we have to fold? I'm never going to find another part-time job, and then I'm not going to be able to pay my rent, and I'm going to have to move to Brooklyn. Ah, uh, the joy of rent control. Six rooms, four fifty a month. We know. You've told us a million times. You know what? I can't believe you're bringing this up at a time like this. It's, it's like those people who brag I... because they're tall. Guys, we are not going to fold. Hey, I... This place is a tomb. I'm going to the nut shop where it's fun. <laughs> George? Okay. Okay. So, so, so George pieces out. Okay, so a few things also to mention is yeah. uh, the way that Christina says that she'll have to move to Brooklyn. Yes. Oh. Uh, well, at this time, I mean, Brooklyn, you know. Yeah, what's Brooklyn funny is. Brooklyn in, th- in 1998, you know. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's the thing. So nice. What are hip neighborhoods? Hip neighborhoods are usually places that people can get to. 
that are accessible, uh, but then also, you know, it's, I mean, almost by definition, it goes along with, like, kind of gentrification, because, you know, where can you go? Because, you know, if you're priced out of some area, you go to the margin, which usually means, you know, it's a bunch of kind of hipsters moving into a place that was previously working class or something. And that's what happened, is like, you know, you talk about what was hip in New York in the 50s, like Greenwich Village. Sure. And then, like, you know, then like, okay, Greenwich Village is priced out. Like, you can't move in. It's like, okay, well, East Village. And then eventually it gets to the point that, like, okay, that's priced out. And then you have to go across the river and go to Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a typology. I mean, it's, it's so, I mean, in no small way, if you talk about how people live in a city, and then also uh, the territorial space uh, competition of the bookstores, uh, the movie is a lot about kind of turf wars. Sure. Yeah, I mean the movie. No, I mean like, let's just say it. It's a, it's a George's parable. I oh, I mean there is there is a character named George in this scene, so you know there's 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 a possible connection. Yeah, George Pappas. Um, but I think on the moment of like you know kind of is it a privilege in a way? I think in New York, in which rent controlled units are scarce, and you know I think people are envious of those who get hooked up. Christina says it's like oh how can you brag about having rent controlled unit? It's like bragging that you're tall. Yes, that's her line. It's well, that's I mean, but that and that's back to your point about like he got lucky slash you know he inherited it or had a hookup or whatever. It's not something, it's not something he did of his own volition or or you know that that um, he knew someone probably. Yeah, he knew someone or whatever. But it, you know, but it's not it, it's not like something to brag about because it's not something that he actually accomplished. Yeah, and I think my only point is to get in soapbox. You know, rent control is a good program for having stability among tenants. But if you want to create real affordable housing, it needs to be a universal program, which means it needs to you know have enough to go around. But uh, let's not talk about that anymore. Okay. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> so let's talk more about George here. Yes, let's talk about George. So George uh, is uh, bored of this, or just is, says it's not fun. I guess what is what does he say exactly? So George first when when Christina uh, you know critiques him for talking about rent control. Uh, he is going to make a comeback, and he kind of sputters out a bit, continues uh, at the moment. Let's talk about the, the work they're doing. Oh, so, yes. It's a very efficient operation in the right. store. George wiping down the counter. Well, Birdie's doing real work. Birdie's working the accounting software. Yes. Uh, George is wiping down what seems to be an already pretty clean uh, you know, counter. But with, you know, Lysol. So he's, like, disinfecting the part of the counter that probably customers' hands touch most. Although there haven't been any customers in the store probably in a week, so... You think it's a distance? I would have guessed it just makes it glossier. Would be the point. No, no, that's that. It's it's definitely Lysol. That he's yeah, spraying. but I thought I thought Lysol was like, oh, that's a side benefit. It's mostly about. I don't think so. It's, it's, isn't it about disinfecting? Lysol cleaning products. Lysol. I thought it just makes it shiny. Is a brand name of cleaning and disinfecting products distributed by the for hard and soft surfaces. Lysol disinfectant spray. I mean, it, yeah, it's absolutely for disinfecting. Okay, okay, there you go. I mean, I said pre-COVID, who cares? Um, well, it's still you know you don't want your you don't want a bunch of germs and you know accumulating on your counter, and you don't want your customers uh, you know to to be touching that. Yeah, that's, that's your opinion. I say, who cares? Uh, uh, Kathleen, her job is she's untangling Christmas lights. Yep, that's pretty good. She's, uh, she's, she's using doing Christina's it by, a prop. Yes, by draping them around Christina's neck. Yes, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Christina is doing very uh, useful work in making. Slowly making one one snowflake, 
Yes. Yeah. Very good. Is She's this how they decorate every year? Is that you have to make all the snowflakes by hand every year? Yeah. I mean, this is a pure subsistence subsistence uh, bookstore insofar as this is no more competent or efficient than like an average family decorating their apartment. <laughs> Although, I mean, they've got... Well, I mean, those are nice lights. It's a nice nutcracker. Very nice nutcracker. Um, and, and, I mean, the store itself is pretty nicely festive. So they've got a lot going for them. Oh, it's a tomb. Yeah. It's so funny because he's about to respond. He just sputters. And then he kind of holds his hands up. He gives up. And then we cut away. And then we hear him say, just really out of nowhere... This place is a tomb. I'm going to the nut shop where it's fun. Which, I mean, this feels a lot like, like George's sudden disappearance here feels a lot like maybe they filmed these in reverse order or something. Or... Uh, actually, I have, I, have, I have a lot of uh, background. What's happening ah, here? Okay. Tell you? Yeah. Okay. So uh, George's line there is 100% ADR. Yeah. Uh, so there's an entire sequence cut out of this. Oh. And this goes in line with a different sequence earlier in the movie. Uh, do you remember I talked about how uh, George was left uh, left uh, the bookstore at one point, or left his apartment on the way to the bookstore? This is before the Kel Nightmare scene. Uh-huh. And uh, a reporter comes up and says, oh, there's been a murderer on your rooftop. Do you have any comment? And George is at a loss for words. And actually, I didn't read this carefully. He's at a loss for words because he sees a woman named, uh, well, we know his name at that point, but he sees a beautiful woman walking by. And while he's being interviewed about the, the murder, he's uh, lovestruck with this woman. Okay. Uh, so that's a scene that happens Good earlier. side plot, yeah. So what happens here is uh, George, right after talking about rent control, the door opens, it's being knocked and opens, and it's a police officer. And the police officer, or sorry, uh, yeah, the police officer, a detective, is the same woman he was in love with before. Okay. Her name is Meredith, and she says, hi, I'm Meredith, I'm Detective Carter, Meredith Carter, I need to speak to George. Uh, So then they leave together. So at this point, uh, George walks out the door with with, uh, the police officer, the detective, uh, and Kathleen's like, where is George going? <laughs> and uh, they leave, and there's a short sequence in which he says, like, I need to follow up about that murder. And George is like, I'm in love with you. And then they start making out, and then they leave. <laughs> what? Yeah, so this is this is all cut. <laughs> all right. Well, that was that seems like a reasonable cut. Uh, the, also, this movie is the, – the runtime now is 119 minutes, I believe. Yeah. And there's a lot of material cut from the movie. It's and I believe uh, they shot it all, which is pretty incredible. Uh, so they had to say, okay, we have this line that we have this whole storyline. We need to get rid of George. I, I think only because Kathleen is like confusingly going, where did George go? So they had to. So they conf- they they explain it by having a new scene where George, during the middle of his shift, gets bored and outraged that people are boring. Uh, and then uh, leaves to go to the nut shop, which is that supposed to be a bar? I don't. I, I, yeah, I, that's what I thought, but probably just because of uh, uh, Antonio's nut house. Yeah, I looked um, up nut shop uh, Upper West Side, didn't find anything, but of course this could have been something at the time. Uh, by the way, the the nut house, uh, you realize it closed, right? Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, it just closed. Wow. Well, yeah, not. It's not a great year for bars. No, not very. Not very. Uh, good year for landlords. I didn't know who you were with. Uh, it is? 
Yeah, because uh, they can, uh, you know, they can clear out their current, uh, you know, tenants and, and then raise the rents. I mean, I, I think I, I don't. I've seen mostly rents are going down. No, well, I'm just. We'll, we'll see about that. Okay. demonstration. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I just, I just really like that that saves. They brought back Steve Zahn to see that line off screen, and it works because uh, one thing it's George yelling out an inappropriate, weird thing to say during the workday. Uh, yeah, and then it's followed up by Kathleen immediately saying either she heard him. Uh, no, no, it's, it's clear. I mean, it seems to be implied that she did not hear him. Yeah, because otherwise she wouldn't be so mystified about where he went. And then it's just very funny that it's George saying, "I'm leaving. This is boring." And Kenzo's like, "Where did George go?" (laughs) It's just such a wonderful, stupid. It's kind of yeah. It's not. It's not. They don't run a very tight ship here. (laughs) I just it implies that George is just like a terrible worker, Mm -hmm. Uh, and Kathleen, for whatever reason, just feels almost like. Always has to keep tabs of him because uh-huh. he's always just like wandering off. Pretty good stuff. Oh yeah, very good. Uh, okay, so that's that sub scene one. Uh, so the scene originally has him leaving with the detective, and then at the same time, uh, the mysterious Miranda enters. Yes. So uh, and who is not? Uh, yeah, I think we confirmed not not the person earlier uh, at the register. No, I looked a few times. Not her. Yeah. Uh, in I'll say this, uh, in the in the uh, script, her name was Laura Margolis. Now it's a uh, now it's a uh, Miranda Margolis. Oh, okay. In- interesting change. Yeah, I mean Miranda sounds more like an author. Uh, that's that is that's very hurtful for Laura's. Miranda. <laughs> sure. There's Miranda. There she is. Hi. Hi. Hi, Kathleen. Are you surviving? Well, we're so excited about your new book. When should we schedule a signing? Oh, it's being published in January. Are you going to be in business in January? I'm so worried. We're doing great. Aren't we? No difference whatsoever. Great. Thank God. (laughs) Well, you know, you can count on me for anything. Support, rallies, picket lines. We can get the Times to write something. Or that nut from The Observer. What? What nut in The Observer? Frank something or other. The one who's so in love with his typewriter. This is just the sort of thing that would outrage him. (sighs) A nut? She, she called me a nut. That's not the point. She my so there's a good there's good continuity of of nut here, uh, which have... I really wonder because the nut is the original uh, you know screenplay, but then the nut shop see uh, thing nut store or whatever that was put in afterwards. Well, if you're worried about continuity and people not picking up on the awkwardness of of the you know uh, uh, of the reworked scene then, yeah, you want to make that connection. I also... I would say, if I was recutting this, I don't think I would have to explain George's absence. No, I, I think would, you would just... Yeah, he's not really a factor in the rest of that scene anyway, so you would I just would kind just, of... I would edit out anything of Kathleen saying, where did George go? i just cut that out. Yeah. And then I would just have her confused because she heard the bell and then walk towards the bell. Although yeah. it's a bit weird she's confused that the bell rings at a, at a store that she operates because that should be a normal thing. But. <laughs> well, no, I think it's, I think the, you do have to land the, uh, it's not really a gag, but the whole, the whole conceit around, you know, Meredith, Meredith? Yeah, Mer- uh, Miranda. Miranda. Meredith is the uh, detective we don't see. <laughs> That's right. Uh, that uh, Maybe this is why it was changed from Laura to Miranda. Once I was that, thinking that. I was one, thinking yeah, that. Yeah, once, once the M names were free. 
Um, so uh, Mar- by the way, this is uh, Earful of You Got Mail here in Casey Shoe Stanford. Unless you're listening on the podcast, and then it's not. Okay. Um, so uh, the um, yeah, no, I, I I wonder. I mean, there's a little mini conceit around the fact that she's even though the store is clearly open, she thinks it's not open. And then that, that requires Kathleen Kelly to be near the window or to be looking at the window in order for them to make contact with each other. So, well, I mean, the thing is she's kind of, she is ringing the external bell. Is that, is that what's happening? Like she's like tapping on the door to make a sound. So she's no, drawing no, her no. towards the door. No, 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 there's no, no bell or door. No, she's just peeking in the window. Yeah. I see. But what draws Kathleen to the door? Fox looking for George. Fox. I did I don't think George he left through a back end back exit or something. Right? I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm telling you the sequence of the scene is George George disappears. We've established earlier in it that they enter through the front door, so I I think the established thing is there's one door to the shop around the corner, and that is where they enter and exit. But I, I think mean, then maybe scene, that bell George... is George leaving. I don't know, but it, there's not Let's a lot watch. of room for George to get out of there without her noticing exactly what he's doing. Let's so. watch to see if George could have stealthily left uh, <laughs> under everyone's noses in the scene when it comes around in the next uh, minute. Right now, I really like... Um... Oh, close. Um, no, I really like that uh, Joe Fox is drinking out of uh, a Fox Books mug in this oh, scene as well. Yeah, he's walking around the store with a Fox Books mug. So good. Um, okay, and then um, let's see. So they have a conversation with Meredith or Miranda. M- Meredith. Meredith. Miranda. Meredith. The mysterious Miranda. Right. Which one? It is Miranda? Yeah, what's the mnemonic here? You know, Miranda appears. Like, well, mere, I keep thinking Miranda. Miranda writes, which makes me think the detective oh. is Miranda, but it's not. The detective is Meredith, and the Just author think, is Miranda. Uh, Meredith writes. Sure, yeah. That's well, so the, Meredith writes, and then Miranda <gasps> writes a book. Meredith write. Wait. <laughs> no. Meredith reads you her Miranda writes. Mer- <laughs> and then Miranda writes a book. Oh, that's a great mnemonic. Yeah, good. Now, I, I'll never forget that again. Yeah. Uh, okay, here we go. So, George- Meredith reads you your Miranda writes, and then you read a book that Miranda writes. <laughs> It's that easy. Okay, let's watch George. This place is a tomb. I'm going to the nut shop where it's fun. Okay, so he opens the door. George? Kathleen realizes the door was opened. George? He's like, yeah, oh, okay. George left? Goes to the front door. Yeah, okay. So I think sees... I had the wrong I had the wrong mental picture of where in the store Kathleen and Yeah, Christina she was were like way on the other side of the store. Yeah, I thought they were yeah. standing near the door. I, al- I also thought they were standing right next to the door. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean every part of the store kind of looks similar, so I don't fault myself too badly. Um, okay, wow. this makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Then this scene checks out. Anything else on this? Uh not not too 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 much. Okay, so I'll say this offhand, we have a really good cut. Uh, of where they talk about oh that nut from the observer which oh we're talking about the fact she's talking about okay let's talk about Miranda just really quickly sure uh, Miranda is being transactional here in a way in that she is she is uh, has a new book out in January and she wants to do publicity tours well I think she's just checking in on the store in general um, well I mean, she says two things one is she wants to help she's like I love you yeah. guys I, I I'll help uh, she says I will help support you I will uh, do uh, picket lines. Uh, let, we'll get something written in the New York Times or that nothing is Zerber, Frank. How are you? 
but then she also says, like, are you going to be open in January? Uh, and the, what's funny here is that they are not honest about, like, no, we've lost a lot of money. We're a little bit scared. They, in fact, say there is nothing wrong because they want to make sure that Miranda doesn't think it's a waste of her time to go to a dying bookstore in January. Sure. Why, yeah. would, why else would Bertie lie to her? Uh, well, no, no, it's not just her. They're, I mean, at this point, they they have an incentive to lie to everyone. I mean, they, they want to put up... Well, because they... I, well, I guess you're right. They might want to instead do the opposite to show people they need to, they need the support. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's... Normally, when I go to a bookstore, I don't mean it's like, are they going to be around in the future? Like, I guess, you know, it's nice to know that... Yeah, like, so, right. So, what's the disadvantage of telling Miranda... Miranda? Uh, Miranda. Miranda. Yeah, Miranda writes. Miranda um, writes. Telling Miranda that what's the yeah what's the worst case you tell Miranda uh, actually we're kind of we're we're down twelve hundred dollars since the same week last year yeah tell her that exactly <laughs> I would love it if you go to a bookstore and they start reading your accounting details <laughs> um, so you tell her that and then what does she say well she says I want to help yeah exactly and I think you you got the support from her and that's nice because like, there is a threat this the the bookstore has been open for six days. And there is no, there's no, there are no customers anymore. Yeah, that is that's definitely concerning. Yeah, which is a big. De- well, I'll say this: uh, bad for the shop around the corner. But uh, Joe is right. Joe is like day one, the children's book section not doing well. Six days in, they've got one hundred percent of the business. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's that's their model, and it works. Yeah, good, good for him. Um, all right. Okay, uh, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about uh, scene let two, which I will use an excuse to say there's a deleted scene here. Oh, and this is one of I think this is the thing that's actually famously a deleted scene or a deleted sequence in the in the movie. Uh, we actually before this starts, we have we originally have more time between Kathleen and Fra- uh, Frank walking and going to the uh, to the party Vince Mancini's party. And they are talking about how Frank saw on the subway that day the reclusive author William Spungen. Hmm. Okay. So William Spungen is someone. It's kind of like a Thomas Pynchon. It's a hit. Uh, William, uh, like a Thomas Pynchon type figure. There's only like one known photograph of him, you know. And, uh, okay. And he saw him on the on the subway, and he said, "I was blown away. I saw this. This is you know this legendary author." He says, "He says like this is the most reclusive author since uh, Salinger." Uh, and he says, like, I just saw him. He's just, just there. I, you know, I thought he was living in Mexico or something. Uh, in the movie, uh, they actually filmed these scenes, and William Spungen was played by Michael Palin. Uh, uh, one of the Monty Python uh, Oh, yeah, people. okay. Yes. Yeah, so that's, you know, I, uh, and it started. It starts there. And they, uh, they go to the scene. They start talking, oh, we're doing fine, we're doing fine. And then it starts. Uh, and they cut all of that. They cut all the scenes of William Spungen. Uh, so instead, we have to go to the we're doing fine, we're doing fine scene, and they link it by saying, she called me a nut. And then uh, we have the ADR of Kathleen saying, it's like, it's not about that. Uh, she's worried about the store, which I'll say, seamless ADR. That's, you know, yeah. unlike, unlike... Oh, that was great. No, I thought I thought the way those scenes blend together was really, really impressive. Absolutely. I'd say unlike you, you, you look at George saying, this place is a tomb, <laughs> go to the nut store. Weird choice made there. Fine, it works. Uh, but this is, I'd say, uh, was an ideal piece of ADR. Yeah. Because it's funny because it has Frank talking about how he is just... 
you know, vain. He's he's only concerned about how he's perceived in the story instead of you know caring about what's going on with Kathleen. You know, so it's it's, it's other good character details come in. It's really good. Um, this, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, I think the other thing I was gonna say is I think the street shot. I mean, I guess the only street shot that survived um, is a really beautiful street shot. Yeah, I thought the street shot was. Uh, I think originally I felt like okay, is this just an establishing shot of the party? Because the shot itself is of ABC Carpet at Home, which is on Broadway between 18th and 19th Street. Mm. And I thought, like, okay, this is a six-story building. I'm guessing all six stories are the carpet store. Really? Uh, oh, aren't. Well, I don't know. It could go either way. A six-story carpet store? It's, I think they're one of the major ones in Manhattan, so maybe. Yeah. Uh, so also, oh, here it is. She thinks my store is in trouble. Now, why would she say that? There is enough business for us all. Yes, there is. No question. Mm-hmm. We are fine. You, you're more than fine. You're absolutely fine. We are fine. Yes. How are you? Fine. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> it's so what? good. Uh, so, yeah. So we actually, uh, this is the first time, I believe, in the entire movie where you leave the Upper West Side. Oh, where are they going? Where is uh, this? As I said, with a cross ABC carpet and home. Uh, between 18th and 19th Street, mm-hmm. so this, I think this is near like Gramercy Park. Okay. So this is this is you know you know a fair number. Uh, this is yeah this is South Midtown. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, because they theoretically they took the subway as well because they saw that author or or is how no that, that's Frank reporting on something he saw earlier earlier in the day. Okay. But presumably, Wait, so they do they show a, or in the deleted scene they show like a flashback of that or something? Like, I okay. How, let, let me I, okay. Let me see here. I believe because so. if Michael Palin's actually in the shot, like, how does that? Well, he's work in out? later scenes. Oh, so, okay. okay. So it starts uh, exterior Kathleen's apartment. Frank comes up the stoop. Kathleen is dressed for a party. Frank walks in to her apartment, uh, and then Frank says, "I saw him. I saw him. I saw William Spongin. I thought he was in Mexico." Maybe he's in Mexico, but he's in New York today. Uh, you know, he says, where do you see him? I was on the subway. And then you cut to a flashback of the subway, and then uh, they talk about seeing him there. This is good. They deleted this. This is good. Yeah, and they show him taking out a photo of William Spungen, which oh it sounds God. like he had a copy of the photo oh on him. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. This is, this is better left on the cutting floor. This then is, it right. cuts to exterior Broadway continuous. They come out of the subway station, look around, uh, follow him. Uh, H&H Bagels. Uh, they oh. they follow him near H and H Bagels. He says he went into H and H and bought a bagel with everything. Uh, are you disappointed you don't see more H and H bagel footage? I I'm disappointed about that aspect. Yeah, but the rest of that sounded not not good. So uh, he dropped his crossword into the garbage and I rescued it. So Frank is the crossword puzzle. Uh, yep. He's in the shoe store. He bought uh, tube socks, six pair for seven ninety nine. Wow. Uh, we see Frank peeking out from a stack of running pants. Um, it says, uh, "I know. I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on the fact he's buying tube socks." Sorry. And then Frank says, "I lost them." Then they're back in the apartment, and Frank is holding the crossword puzzle in front of her. It says, "Do you know what this is worth?" <laughs> uh, and then they go to a Japanese restaurant and eat dinner before the party. Wow, that's a lot. And now they're still talking. He, this is a long block, and he says, yeah. "You know." Uh, so I thought maybe I'd introduce myself, and then we'd become friends, and I'd introduce him to you. You know how you love children's books? There's a whole long section, Relativity Smile. Relativity Smile, I'd say, is 100% a reference to Gravity's Rainbow. Yeah, sure. About the Wizard of Oz, and then maybe he'd come out of hiding, and he could help save the store. 
And then uh, Catherine's, what are you talking about? It's through Fox Books. If you can, you can help save the store. It's like, what, what do you mean? Do we need saving? It's like, uh, well, you're right. There's enough, there's enough room for you all. I just was speaking too, too much. And then they're at the, and then they're at the door. <laughs> wow. Okay. That, yeah. All right. They cut out like five minutes, uh, which, you know, I'd say they cut it out and you never would have noticed. No. So fantastic stuff. Yeah, that sounded really great. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, they're now at the doorway uh, yep. of Vince Mancini's, what's uh, uh, his party? I believe it's his place. I assume so. Yeah. It looks like, it looks like, you know, definitely someone's home. It's um, a really big, nice place. <laughs> nice apartment. Well, this is, he. What, what is, he's like a publisher? No. Uh, oh, come on. You don't remember Vince? No, I don't. Uh, well, let me tell you this. Vince got a great review. He'll be insufferable. Oh. Yeah. That's okay, what so Patricia he's, was talking about. He's an author. He's an author. Yeah, so, well, he's a clearly successful author. So at the opening scene, which was when schools were reopening, so this yeah. was September. This was like uh, two two months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince Vince's book came out and got great reviews. Sure. And now he's having a party two months later. Uh, is yes. this like, is this the... This is the, I got great reviews and then I planned a party and it took two months to plan party. <laughs> so you only get ahead of yourself, you know? Yeah. If, you, if, you have, if you have a book uh, opening party immediately, then like, uh, it's risky. And it's, it is, yeah. What if it gets bad reviews? <laughs> yeah, so instead, you know, you, you put it off. Yes. Okay, I believe it. Um, okay, so yeah, lovely apartment. Lots of books on shelves. He has four floor-to-ceiling bookshelves in the back of the room. But Wonderful. He, I mean, he's an like, author, so this checks out. I don't know. I'd say authors, uh, I think you, you would have, like, paper and quills. If he's a, I think you also have other books that you read for inspiration. I'd say a professional reader would have that, but I'm not sure about that. Okay. Uh, so actually, they're, they're open at the front of the party. Uh, the, the doors of the party opens up, and they say, oh, welcome. You know, how are you doing? And they say, fine. Good bit. Yes. There it is. You're more than fine. You're absolutely fine. You're fine. Yes. How are you? Fine. Fine. They say it together. So listen. Congratulations. Guess who I saw on the sub for William Spongent? You should go to a retreat. You really should go to a retreat. They're looking across the room. You can't hear much here. Honey, will you give me another drink, sweet? I'm all out. Because it's a really great Joe walking away. He sees Kathleen across the room. He peeks back at her, kind of menacing-like. It's so well shot. Okay, so that's that's end of sub yes. scene one. And then we get to the bar, which we'll talk about in detail. But isn't so that so great that that's they left? Amazing that William Spongeon still gets a call out. Yeah, I did not. I don't know if anyone uh, speaks about this because some people will actually write it. Oh, you know, Michael Palin was as this role cut from the movie. But I don't know if anyone mentioned that Vince Mancini uh, and Frank are talking about him still on screen, which is fantastic. <laughs> that's really, and it's like the first thing he says too. It, it, you know, it's like. Yeah. Oh, he says he says congratulations, you know, or whatever, and then yeah. and then it's like, guess who I saw on the subway? Really, really, really good. Well, and uh, opening the door at the beginning, uh, you know who that was? No, uh, that was uh, credited in this in the uh, closing credits as Sarah Mancini. Oh, okay. Uh, which, uh, Vince Mancini's wife? I believe so. I That's played by Anne F- Anne Freund. Okay. Uh, this is her only credit uh, of of any movie, but she has a number of uh, you know stage credits. A number of door opening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's roles. She, she was uh, she was uh, worked as a, as a you know front door. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I do like how so she opens the door 
And it's an interesting... It's, I mean, it, it works, but it's not really something people do, which is she opens the door, does not make physical contact with them, right? So no shaking hands, no hugging, whatever. Steps back and then beckons them in with her hands. It is more cinematic, you know? It is like something you'd see, uh, like, the Continental or something. It's like, call me in, won't you? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it works. Again, it works on screen. It's the sort of thing where if that happened in, in person, you would be like, why are you avoiding touching me? You know? <laughs> yes, I mean, I'll say this. Uh, the movie, it's a, but there's some heightened surrealistic aspects to the way things are shot. You know, only the edges. Like, oh, that, it opens, like, the way the music swells. Very good. Um, and uh, so she's on door, uh, door duty. And her main role is to say, like, oh, my husband will love to talk to you. And immediately shows him to, her, uh, to Vince. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Vince is very accessible, too. He's right there. He's, like, ready to start a conversation. Yeah. Think I think mean, it'd I be think... harder to, to get, get to him. Yeah, Vince is always, he wants to know big news about what's happening. And when he's sponging in town, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think, okay, in the screenplay, we actually hear this line is written, which is, I saw William sponging. And uh, Vince says... I thought it was Mexico. Is this? Oh, so good. That... They're geeking out about William Spongen. I in love the, it. In the movie, if you really watch it, it looks more like he's saying, I don't know. And then it seems like Frank's saying, you don't know William Spongen? Oh. Uh, that's what it looks like in the movie. So oh. I don't know. You can, you can be the judge of it, but that's how I was reading their mumbling. I'll be and... the judge, jury, and executioner of it. <laughs> Help yourself. Uh, Vince, by the way, Vince Mancini. Uh, he who, uh... by the way, do you think he... Must not uh... be named. Yeah, do you think he's going to be insufferable? I mean, do you think he was insufferable? Do you no, think he's he being seems insufferable? fine. He seems nice. <laughs> Patricia thought he'd be insufferable. Well, Patricia doesn't have a very good outlook on life. Yeah, so uh, this is played by Bruce J. Friedman. Mm. Uh, Bruce J. Friedman, uh, most famous as a uh, short story author, uh, sc- oh. uh, you know, uh, uh, also a screenwriter. Cool. Uh, I think most famous, uh, The Heartbreak Kid. Uh, 1972, based on the story. Uh, the screenplay was by Neil Simon, but uh, great movie. Charles Grodin, uh, Elaine May directed. Uh, he wrote the original story and also worked in the screenplay for Splash. Splash. Oh, you don't know Splash? I don't know Splash. Oh, that's uh, one of uh, Tom Hanks' breakthrough movies. Uh, Tom Hanks uh, is a guy who meets a mermaid, uh, played by Joel Hanna. Oh, yeah, okay, no, I am. I do know that, yes. Yeah, yeah I'm, so I, I'm familiar you know, with that. So uh, that's that's interesting. I have another, not seen it, but I am familiar with another it. Hanks connection. Yeah, so uh, Hanks connection. Yeah, but so Vince, Vince, and uh, Vince and Frank uh, hit it off. But uh, so I mean, so the explanation here is, you know, uh, Patricia has a working relationship with with Vince at the very least. Sure. And they uh, so that you know they they get invited. Um, yes. And so uh, let's. So there's a couple just other high level things about this party, like logistical things that I think are worth uh, talking through. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, so uh, number one, biggest thing. Uh, actually, oh, there's so much additional detail I'm noticing here. I'm just well, watch me... Vince's face when he talks about. I don't know William Spongen. You're right. He is saying I don't know William Spongen. He says it very dourly too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, imagine, like, I don't know Thomas Pynchon. That would be a faux pas for an author to say. Oh, well, he's in his own world. He's yeah. just writing all day. Um, so, uh, let's, oh, so many details. I'm just, I'm writing them down. Um, okay. So, uh, first of all, at a, a meta level, very quiet party. 
right? A ton of people at this party. A ton. I mean, the, it's a packed apartment, and somehow everyone is able to basically be at, like, you know, almost like a whisper level, you know? Like, people are... I mean, in fact, there is literal whispering that happens. I'll, you know? say, I'll just say this. Yeah. This must be the publishing house or something. This cannot be someone's home. This is gigantic. But this is... People have homes like this? Like, successful authors have homes like this? No, not Vince. Vince is down to earth. I... I think this is, and the fact like clear it out and you have like a table set up for like a, a wine bar. I think people do, do that in their homes. That's insane. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is this is it's it's a space that is decorated and designed as if it is an apartment. I'm just trying this to imagine. Not this is not a work environment. Look, there's there's china in a cabinet. <laughs> well, what I'm getting at is, I think publishing houses are set up this way because they're supposed to look homey. <laughs> okay. Um, They're working spaces, and socializing is part of what public ho- publishing houses do. Having uh-huh. a space for parties like this is probably something that you do as a publishing house. It's clearly an apartment. <laughs> There's a front door that is an apartment front door. I mean, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't have notes in the front door. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so uh, the other, some other details. Uh, great hat storage. I don't know if you noticed the hat storage. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, it is in the screenplay. It's Vinci Mancini's apartment. Told you. Um, the, uh, the, as, you, as you're walking in the entrance, there's this just uh, wall full of hats on the left side. It's That's very, cool. Very nice wall full of hats. That's cool. Um, and then there's a, I'm guessing, a New Yorker poster because it has, like, the New Yorker guy on it. Um, oh, uh, Eustace Tilly? Is that the New Yorker guy? That's his name, Eustace Tilly. Oh. It's a hit. Um, so it and it is it's a poster that says, "Is it good for the Jews?" Question mark. Interesting. It is behind when Parker Posey is talking. Uh, I believe it is behind her. Interesting. So. Well, Bruce J. Friedman, I believe, is. I think he, I think he's Jewish, uh, if only because you know. Yeah, that's kind of the theme of the Heartbreak Kid is, you know, it's a Jewish protagonist. Um, and his name is, you know, uh, typically a Jewish name, but Mancini is an Italian name. Um, yes. Yeah, that's true. No, it's just, but it's just weird. It's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who knows what the subject of that is, but it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to have framed. <laughs> and I need to see this. I, I, I did not look around. And the, we know from before, they put a lot of work into doing, uh, doing a lot of background stuff. Oh, yeah. In the background right here, by the way, there's a book that has Honus Wagner's face of uh, the famous baseball card in the Really? Room. Yeah, it's like a book about Honus Wagner. Oh, wow. Reminds me of famous baseball cards. Who knows? But yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, amazing player. Oh, probably the best, uh, you know, best second baseman, shortstop, excuse me, of all time. It's fun. Going to nut shop where it's fun. Okay, so let's talk about the dynamics of what's happening in subscene one here. Sure. Uh, we have across the room from the initial uh, nucleus of, of uh, Vince talking to Frank and Kathleen, we have uh, a little bit to the left. We have a nice uh, shot that makes us a content. You know, we follow someone's back to go from one part of the party to another. Always fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see uh, Patricia and, uh, and Joe by a column. Yes. And uh, Patricia is going on about a story. She's having a blast. Yes. She's, she's, she is way into it. Her this story. Is, these are her people. Yeah, I can't wait to tell her story that much. It's something about, and they said, go to a retreat. They said, they said, go to a retreat. 
<laughs> you need to relax or something. Like, I, they might be talking about her, I believe. Ah. That'd be the. I mean, that'd be the joke. She's very high strong. She knows that her tree, and then she thinks it's funny. Oh, that's good. Uh, well, this. I mean, there's a there's a meta thing here, which is clearly Frank and Patricia are in their element here, and. Uh, and then clearly Kathleen and Joe are not, right? I mean, Joe is just, you know, he Wandering. is... He's a, he's a drink caddy. He's a drink caddy. He's... Uh, hey, show, me, show me the hats. Hats, left side. Oh, nice hat. We have a, Beautiful we have a boater. Ball of hats. We have two straw hats. We have a nice, like, uh, kind of a Talus kind of, you know, sun hat. We follow this woman to the left, and now we see this nice bow-tied man who Patricia's talking to. Seems yep. very important. And then Joe's just hanging out there. Kathleen seems kind of comfortable. Is it good for the... That's not Eustace Tilly. Eustace Tilly doesn't have a top hat like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you saw the poster. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd I'd like to look that up to see what that is. I I don't don't have any reference offhand. Um, Just type in, is it good for the Jews? (laughs) Always great for... uh, is it, oh, is it good for the Jews? New York Times. Stanley Fish, 2007. Well, that's nope. not going to be it. Uh, oh, it's a book. Hello. Wait. Hi. There is a book called from by Johnny Gallup. Nope, this, published in, this looks like an 1880. Published in 2006. Cover. Yeah, there's a lot of recent stuff. Hmm. Uh, look up like Internet Archive to see if it shows up in something in public domain. There's you can look not up a lot. Books and, uh, yeah. There's not. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a bunch of recent books. Uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll follow up with, uh, you know, with, with news next up. Yeah, this could be a good news item. There's isitgoodforthejews.com. Two ordinary Jewish guys podcasting their way from San Francisco to enlightenment. That's cool. The Is It Good for the Jews podcast. Is that is this maybe like a phrase like a common I, phrase well i think it's i think part of it is it's vince mancini stuff over to the left there's this framed photo of jazz man vincent newman what is that i thought it was vince mancini oh uh, no what was what did i say something lewis J- uh jazz man jazz man vince lewis no i didn't say i don't think it was vince oh well it looks like it's a big photo of vince's face on it which is say Bruce J. Freeman's face. Excuse me? Sure. So weird. Weird, uh, weird, weird. Uh, lovely apartment. I, I should have done more work for the background stuff. Going okay, to... let's talk about the bar scene. No, shall no, we? no, no, no. Oh, okay. What? Is there more? Yeah, well, okay, so what does Joe do? Joe is, okay, so Kathleen is just sucked in the conversation, and she actually... She's doing, yeah, she's doing fine. I mean, she seems like it's, Frank is dominating, but she actually seems yeah. like she's a genuine smile. <laughs> Very good. Um... Joe is in the other part of the room. She, he's just, you know, he's, you know, just really hates being there. Uh, and then he notices Kathleen. My question for you is, how does he feel right now? Um, uh, he uh, feels uh, like, basic, like threatened or like somewhat reserved in a sense of like uh, he is now going to have his cover blown. Is what he's worried about immediately. Yeah, I mean, I would say his immediate thing is what is his main goal is to feel comfortable. He's already uncomfortable. He feels extra uncomfortable insofar as he has to deal with, uh, you know, it's like, oh, geez, I have to deal with this situation. And he uh, he, hide, he like he goes behind a column to get away from it. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, it works out well because he has to get a drink refill. But he, you know, he sees it. Then he peers out looking at her. It's like, oh, geez, I need a plan now. Yeah. Which uh, we go to bar scene. Yes. Okay. This scene, I mean, it's like, 
these these uh, these chunks continue to deliver in terms of having ample drink content. Oh, um, this is one of the drinkiest. This uh, is so drinky. We got a lot of drinks here. Uh, I'm going to take a little celebratory. Should I, should I drink the White Claw or the Natural Light Seltzer? They're both, uh, at this point, lukewarm, and all the ice is melted. I would say mix them together. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, drink the Natty Light Seltzer. Okay. All right, here we go. Mm. Mm. Nope, 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 not good. Okay, um, so we have... Ooh, really not good. Um, all right. Ooh, that wasn't good either. I think they're probably both good. No, I try to wash it down with Red Bull, and it went very poorly. Okay, um, so uh, Parker Posey, hand, first of all, I mean, before they even get to the bar. What? Patricia Eden. Patricia Posey. Patricia Eden. Patricia Eden. Uh, before they even get to the bar, Patricia Eden is handing him her spent drink, which is a mostly empty glass with some uh, ice in it and, uh, and, a, and a lime. I don't watch it a few times to see, does she actually do it so hard that she actually hits him in the chest? It's like, Not quite, but she really does, without looking, just swings her arm back <laughs> behind well, it's a, her. It's a practiced uh, thing. I mean, they, yeah. you know, this, is, this is their party stance. He's, he's let's, I mean, with a little cocktail reference here, he's pretty party broken. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. very funny. Um, so let's see. Um, so then, uh, so then he goes to the bar. Uh, he's behind in line. Although the, the logistics of the bar line are a little bit confusing in that everyone seems to kind of just order it once. And then the bartender kind of sorts it out. Um, like everyone just kind of shouts out their orders, not dissimilar to cocktail. (laughs) Well, I'm okay. I mean, well, as opposed to what? Well, normally at a party like a, bar, a single file line. Yeah, normally at a party bar, you have a. Okay, well, let's listen. <laughs> He's nervous. <laughs> Spy music, please. Right. I still eat on the rocks, but a fresh glass, please. White wine, please. Here you go. Thank you. <laughs> like, so this, so what's you know the the sequence here is, oh. guy oh. has. Let's listen. Hi. 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 Do you remember me from the bookstore? Of course I remember you, yes. Hi. Hey, how's your aunt? <laughs> She's great. I better go deliver this. Uh, I have a very thirsty date. She's part camel. Joe, right? It's Joe, isn't it? And you are Kathleen. Kathleen, Kelly. Two white wine, please. Two white wine, please. Okay. So, so this, so you know, this guy who was at the bar before Joe has like just finished ordering, you know, a, a, a champagne. Um, Joe immediately places his order, and then Kathleen Kelly immediately places her order, <laughs> um, which is yeah. I mean, normally with a party bar, you've got at least some semblance of a line, and you generally well, wait. If you have for... a bunch of amateurs, this guy's a pro. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. He can handle it. So anyway, um, uh, so we've got champagne, we've got Stoli on the rocks uh, with a fresh glass um, and a which is wine. the implication there is if he comes back with, with the old glass refilled, which I don't think they normally would do. No, right? they wouldn't do that at a. At but a if they yeah. did, Patricia would freak out. Yeah, that's totally. the implication there. Yes, uh, and then Kathleen Kelly orders a white wine, uh, and then another guy comes up after them and orders a two very, white wines. A very polite old man. Very polite old man. Or is two white wines. Two white wines. Yes. Uh, also, um, 
for some of this, there's a woman in the background. Have you noticed what she's doing? She's reading a book, right? Yes. I can't. I cannot see the tile clearly enough on it. So I think what this is supposed to be is that Vince has a table laid out with his new book. Would be my guess. I I would say in a if you're in a literary apartment and there's like bookshelves, uh, you can you can usually be pretty presumptuous and like look at the books and even pull it out and, and read it. Maybe. But it's possible. It's possible. This is uh, spread. Uh, so I assume the implication was part of the party is like, hey, here's the book, and she's like, oh, what is this book that everyone's talking about? You know, but it is weird to have someone who is off in a corner. <laughs> of the party uh you know like behind people ordering drinks at a bar just deep in a book no that's the sign of a good party oh no i agree it's nice uh it's just it's just uh you know abnormal i think it's very normal in the literary world okay uh i, I looked a little bit more jazz man it says vincent lewis so is the implication there vince mancini has a side project where he does jazz, and they f- <laughs> I think that's the implication here because it's it's, Vin- it's Vince Mancini's face. This I believe continues to explain why he has such a nice apartment. Yeah, that jazz jazz royalties. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. So let's talk more about the uh, the the implications of what Joe is doing here. I'd say Joe immediately he's called out in that Kathleen goes to him. He kind of gets away, but Kathleen's right there. Yep. Uh, and says, uh, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's you again. How's your aunt? Uh, Which is great. Good call back there. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny, funny line. Uh, and then uh, she says, you're Joe, right? So she remembers the name. He immediately says, you're Kathleen. You're Kathleen. Uh, which, is she weirded out how quickly he remembered her name? Is that the implication there? Uh, so I think her facial expressions are supposed to be more about it's weird that he cut the conversation off there and walked away. Yes, I think at the at the end, yes. But I yeah. think immediately she weirded out that he knows her name quickly. I mean, yeah, I think she is. I think there's a there's a roller coaster ride here, right? She is lifted up by the fact that he so readily remembered her. Right? But then she's she's devastated by the fact she gets away. <laughs> and devastated by him, yeah, you know, cutting going. things off and, and running away. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and there's a very funny denouement to that substance, right? To the substance? Yeah, so the substance, he leaves, and then she looks like baffled for a second. She looks around, and she, she, <laughs> do you see what she says? Uh, yeah, she says her name under her breath. Yeah, she says out loud, Kathleen, Kathleen Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Good. I think the implication is, I mean, I read this in one specific way, which is, I'm Kathleen Kelly. I'm the hero of my life. I'm the protagonist of reality. Uh, how, like, how how did he just move on and not talk more about Kathleen Kelly? Because this is my story. Yeah, there's a little of that, I guess. That's what, that's how I read it. Um, okay, that's the end of that substance. Uh, it is. And then we get the finale here. Well, there's also been, uh, it's the semi, of, the semi-penultimale. Kind of two subsidies. Yeah, we get the penultimale first, which is Vince comes back. Oh, is that Vince? It's Vince. I, I wasn't convinced that was Vince. No, it's Vince. You're sure that's Vince? Yeah, it's Vince. Okay, I know Vince Mancini anywhere. Okay, so um, Vince Mancini because I wrote so, down, I wrote down random guy. No, it's Vince, I, and then I also called him the Fox Whisperer. <laughs> Funny. No, that's Vince. So Vince uh, comes back around. So the implication here, Vince too. Vince is everywhere here. Vince is, like, the most accessible person at this party. Which the implication here is, too, that when Joe goes away, they are the three, the duo, Frank, Vince, and Kathleen, are talking. As soon as he leaves, that conversation breaks up. Kathleen goes to get a drink. And then Vince is also spun away, and he uh, he goes, and he's now free to talk to Kathleen again. 
Here's Vince. I cannot believe that you were speaking to Joe Fox. Joe Fox? Joe Fox. As in? As in uh, he's going to take over everything. <laughs> oh, oh, that's my, that's my key line. He's coming. That is a great key line. He's coming back from getting a drink. He's got a new drink in his hand. No. No? They're crossing paths. Okay. Like she's mm-hmm. coming back from drinking. Yeah, she's <laughs> coming back from the bar. Yeah, okay. I guess that doesn't work. I don't know. It's just it's just amazing he was able to route to her that effectively. So So the implication um, here too is really funny, which is one of his guests he considers an enemy that she should not talk to. <laughs> <laughs> which is incredibly funny. Because I mean, of course he's here because he has to bring Patricia Eden. Sure. And he's part of the the package. I mean, let's just say it. He's insufferable. <laughs> Vince is so insufferable right now. <laughs> that that actually is pretty insufferable to just talk, uh, you know, about your guest behind your back. How are you talking? Do you know that? He's he's gonna take over everything. Um, it's really funny. Yeah, it is very funny. Uh, it's um. Uh, the what did I say? Oh, I said. So here's. So what I wrote down was random guy. The fox whisperer gets the job done. <laughs> Which is to say, he does a very targeted and specific. You know, there's a very targeted and specific purpose to his engagement here, and that is to put them at odds with each other. He inserts himself. Gets it done and then leaves very, uh, you know, perfunctorily. <laughs> so, do you think Vince could have been doing more as a good host to say, okay, if you invite someone who is being antagonized professionally by another one of your guests, you should either avoid the situation or warn them discreetly early on? And Vince did nothing of the sort. And in fact, uh, I guess he's... Well, I think Vince wouldn't have even commented on it. It wouldn't have been a thing if she hadn't been talking to him. Yeah, but the thing is, he left her open to talk to him. Sure, (laughs) which I guess it seems like he implied... Does he think that she doesn't already know him? Uh, Because his line is... He must, yeah. I mean, so it's... uh, Vince says, I can't believe you're talking to Joe Fox. So actually, which implies that he thought that he she already knew that was Joe Fox. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're right. Also, you've left the uh, wire club room. Uh, that's fine. Okay. Um, so I did not yes. find love tonight, but I'll, maybe next time. And then, so then, then we get finale. Uh, I wrote this the canop- canopy scene. Canopies scene. Yeah. The what? Uh, canopies. Canopies. Canopy. Canopy. Like, like, like hors d'oeuvres. Oh yeah, there's a lot of canapé. there are, are a lot of hors d'oeuvres. What are you saying? What word are you saying? C a n a p e canapé. What? C a n a p e s e p e s. It's a French canapé. 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 What's that? Canapés. I could say charcuterie. Is it charcuterie? Canapé is a type of hors d'oeuvre, a small prepared and often decorative food consisting of a small piece of bread, puff pastry, or cracker topped with some savory food held Okay, so it's more than just canapé. Yeah, it's, Let's a, just it's order. a specific type of thing. Okay, never mind. Okay. I will. I will mind. I'll continue minding. Actually, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nothing you can do to stop me. I want to go to a party like this. This seems so oh, it's, pleasant. It's lovely. It's love. I, I actually, I and mean, this is inspiring me. I think I want to put more bookshelves up. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you, the bookshelves, you, you have uh, sequestered one area. You're I do. I have them in one area. They're mostly holding video games. I feel like I can improve here. Yeah, you could absolutely. I have, yeah. I have, <laughs> I have, I have surplus Billy bookshelves that I can't even fit in my place. You know, <laughs> so yeah, that's how it is. 
Um, so uh, let's see. We've got a um, uh, we've got a nice spread of bread and meats, is what I wrote. I did not write the word campaign. I, I think you're probably more accurate. So good. Work. And we have a fun, funny exchange, right? Because he says the words. Well, maybe we should just listen in here. Yeah, let's. Listen. It's coming up pretty soon. All right, it's coming up pretty soon. Get the orders one more time here. Oh, we're done. Um, oh, hello. Hi. By the way, cool, cool. It's like very Regis. Uh, black tie, black shirt, black jacket. Everyone, I, I, another thing I noticed here, this, the, everyone's dress at this party does not look out of date at all. Well, black is timeless, you know? It, it is, the dark colors and, and the, you know, the semi-formal to formal attire here. It's, I mean, if you showed me, like, street clothes of 1998, they would probably look out of date. Maybe. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the, but the, 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 you the, know, the party upper, upper, you know, yeah, literary world. The, the party wear here looks pretty consistent. Yeah, I mean, it aged very well. Yeah. I cannot believe that you were speaking to Joe Fox. Joe Fox? Joe Fox. As in? As in uh, he's going to take over everything. <laughs> As in he's going to take She is shocked. She takes a plate. Angrily. Fox, your last name is Fox. F-O-X. <laughs> God, I didn't... I didn't realize. I didn't. I didn't know who you were with. I didn't know who you were with. Excuse me. It's from the Godfather. <laughs> Sorry. It's from. <laughs> oh, Tom Hanks being Tom Hanks. This is okay. So uh, to me, in a lot of ways, it's like the stages of grief here. This is the stages of like you know Tom Hanks coming to terms with comfort. Sure. It yes. starts with fear. <laughs> he then feels shame. When when in this he's backed into a corner, he's like, "Oh, geez, I need to get out of this. Yep. I feel bad." Mm. And then he gets in his element, which is he's just at the table, getting getting hors d'oeuvres. Uh, and then she shows up and says, "Like, wait, your name is Fox?" And he says, "Okay." He's now just in the zone, and he just starts riffing with like just weird <laughs> references and bits that amuse him. That are just extremely aggro and strange to, to, to do. He doesn't try to explain himself, but he's just like, these are funny things to say, and he's just making himself amused by it, which is great. That's when he's in the zone. It's so good. It's it's just, it's really pleasant and fun. That's, that's I mean, I'd say it's ideal casting because I'd say Tom Hanks is always kind of like this when he's at his best, but Joe Fox as a character, it's unusually like this. And I think, mm. uh, I don't know if, if anyone else could really bring that same energy of someone who's just enjoys hearing their own jokes and does it even when they're just steamrolling everyone around them. Um, yes, he's uniquely good at that. It's great. And then we get, so we get our first, so are there more Godfather references coming up? Oh, yeah. Up? Oh, that, yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we, we prepared uh, last time and actually rewatched The Godfather. That was news. We should have tackled that in news. Oh, that was news. Yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. We should, well, we'll tackle that next time in screws that we forgot to put that in news. Sure. Um, so, yeah, we watched The Godfather. Great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so do you want to talk about any thematic differences? Because he talks about this more in the next episode as well. Um, about this, what he's saying here. So we could talk, you know, more about what he's saying here now, or we could talk more about what he's saying about the Godfather. Well, I will scene. say just, I mean, I did watch the whole movie. I thought it was a great movie. If you could just remind me... <laughs> What, where, what scene this is from in the movie? Well, okay, so in the next scene, he describes the scene he's talking about. Oh, okay. But what's funny here, and do you want to get into it, is he's misquoting 
the scene entirely. Oh. So it's very funny that he goes in and says, uh, I didn't know who you were with. Uh, as in, that's a line everyone should remember. Uh-huh. Uh, when in fact, it's... Uh, well, okay, wait, hold on. So is this... You, you think this is ad-libbed? It must be, right? Uh, no, I believe it's... So it's uh, written incorrectly in yeah, the screenplay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird. That's uh, weird. Yeah, it's an error made by character. In fact, going to go to You've Got Mail Goose. Because uh, I believe it's... Uh, so it's an intentional... Yeah, well, I think I think part of the thing is... Uh, you are with... Okay. That's pretty... Yeah, that's, that's Joe misquotes level. a Godfather, character error. When Joe Fox and Kathleen Kelly meet at the cocktail party, Joe says, I didn't know who you are with, quoting the movie producer Jack Waltz. The actual line is, why didn't you say you work for Corleone, Tom? Which isn't even close. Yeah. <laughs> so it's huh. funny that, that Joe is so confident that he just... Uh, it says, like, I didn't know who you were with. As it, and then he says, like, and then he, he it says the line organically, and then he repeats, like, oh, that's funny, just like The Godfather, even though he's misremembering the movie. And then he <laughs> says it in the, in the Jack Waltz voice, I didn't know who you were with. <laughs> and he's just being deranged because he does, he, he's actually misremembering the movie, but then just steamrolling this person by misquoting a movie in character. It's fantastic. Wow. That is very good. It's so good. I don't know. I mean, I would. I either Nora Ephron was like doing this from memory, and thought she got the quote right, or I'd say you know, she had plenty of time to check. <laughs> so I think this is intentional. Yeah, especially given if they're gonna have more of a conversation with this, it's not just a throwaway line. Um, then yeah, that's interesting. That's that's impressive to go that level of depth on this. Yeah, I, I have a lot more to say about the thematic resonance between uh, the Godfather and and. You know Joe's worldview. Sure. Uh, well, well, we have well, like twelve no, minutes here we're today. We're going to hold that for next time. I, I'll just say this. Uh, I'll say put a pin in it, and the pin is turf wars. Yes. And uh, George's parable. Yeah. No. But the yeah. first thing. Well, turf wars are about. I mean. Oh. Sure. Fox. Your last name is Fox. F O X. God, I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't. I didn't know. Who you were with? I didn't know who you were with. Excuse me. It's from The Godfather. <laughs> Sorry, it's from. So good. <laughs> um. Okay. 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 So, thirty-second summary of The Godfather. No demonstration. You want me to give it? No. I, I, do, you, do you want to give me my take? Oh, what, what I was what I was thinking when I was watching. Well, uh, yeah, sure. What were you thinking? The Godfather. It's an unusual movie in that it's about a family, but it's in a family in which everything is transactionalized. Mm-hmm. Insofar as they cannot grieve for family members because they are frequently told it's just business. Sure. Uh, and everything has a price. Everything you know can be can be done if you make the right arrangement. Uh, which I would say is, you know, I think it's something that Joe Fox finds very appealing because that is a way that he wants to live his life, is a very transactionalized experience. Okay, that's that fine. checks that's, out. That's a, the, we'll put a pin in that and let's have more that's next time. That's been our 30 seconds of Godfather. Yeah. Oh, no, don't worry. I have it. I have it. <laughs> All right. Stop that now. 
um, okay, should we get into our uh, segments? Yeah, let's get into the segments. Um, okay. Uh, one of our famous segments, uh, Drink of the App. Drink of the App, yes. Uh, this is Drink of the App. For me, no question. This is Drink of the App. Hello. Uh, this is Drink of the App. Uh, for me, there's no question here. Obvious, obvious winner. Um, I mean, there's a few. We have a few options. We got well, white one wine. Is, one is the obvious. We got winner. champagne. We have uh, two yeah, white wine. The, the drink, the drink of the app is. You want to say it together? Three, three, two, two one. Stoli on, on the rocks with, with a, a fresh, fresh glass. glass and a lime. Does he say with a lime? Because uh, he orders it. I mean, it, and he, I mean, he, he puts definitely takes. Well, so the limes are on a plate. Yeah, so he doesn't actually need to order it with a lime. I'm gonna say I'm gonna do it from the quote he says, which is "stowing the rocks with a fresh glass." And you can make a choice whether or not you put in your own lime. Yeah, but you should do a fresh glass. Yeah, I mean, you should uh, go to uh, the glass blower. So "stowing on the rocks" is like a really bad drink. Stowing used to be, I'd say, from the really until the 2000s, was considered. Probably the premium vodka. Uh, no, I mean, I, I sure no, but but you're but it's also it's pretty high alcohol. I mean, uh, well, it's eighty proof. It, it, no, it's not. Stoli is is um, higher. Yeah, uh, I would actually, guess it, may well, it may depend on the Stoli, but um, I would guess it was eighty. Uh, oh no, you're right. It is eighty. Then what? Oh no, okay. They also sell a Stoli um, hundred proof. Okay, and that's what you're supposed to use for like vespers and stuff because it's closer to what the um, to what they used to uh, bottle it at. So. Don't make cocktails with vodka. Uh, but no, don't. Um, but and also, don't drink <laughs> vodka straight on the rocks. <laughs> well, it's not straight, but drink, drink, don't drink vodka straight or on the rocks. Uh, I mean, it's it's that was the fancy way to do it for a couple decades, and I'd say before, like I, I mean, think, it has. I guess it does have lime in it, so that's something. What was Grey Goose the first one to like be this the super premium uh, vodka? I don't know. I, I think I think Grey Goose kind of changed the game. I, I mean, mean Stoli's been around forever, so yeah, it's Stoli not like... Yeah, Stoli back in the 70s. 70s, Stoli was the fancy vodka. So yeah, it's not like it was a breakout, you know, hip thing, you know. It was, it's was. it been around for a long time. I'm trying to remember, was, was Stoli... Because, I mean, Stoli, it's a, it's, a, it's a Russian name. It's Stolishnaya. Stolishnaya. Yeah. yeah. Was, that, was this, in fact, a Russian Hi. export during the Soviet era? Oh, that's an interesting. I think it point. was. So it was. Is this? You, well, is it at like the time, the nineties were the was a Swedish uh, was a Swedish brand, uh, which was I think you know one of the major sources of. Uh, so are you saying that it would have had a resurgence like post Cold War? No, I think, but it was it was doing very well during the Cold War. Oh, uh, so yeah, actually, it was uh, a well known Soviet brand. So yes, huh. it, it was in fact a Soviet export. Wow. All right. So there you go. That was drink the up. That has been drink of the up. Good. Um, so, okay, and then let's talk. Let's do, uh, should we do Hack of the App? Yes, we're Hack of the App. Sounds great. All right, this is Hack of the App. Okay, I haven't really, I haven't really thought of stuff so far. I was just lost in it. But there's a lot of, I'd say, to me, if there's one person who seems, look, look for discontentment. Who is the most discontented in these scenes? Uh, um, I would say George. George... No, he's pretty content. I mean, he's discontent about having to stay this place in the, the tomb. Shop. Sure. Um, uh, you know, uh, Joe is discontented that he's awkward at the party. 
Yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. Frank is discontented because I think there's he's, a there's he's a, worried about uh, you know how does he deal with this knowledge, the secret there, knowledge about William Spungen. There's a clear thing that needs hack help here. Uh, the children's section of the bookstore. Uh, the the what? The children's section not having enough no. business. The Christmas light untangling. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Okay, yeah. Uh, Christmas light untangling. I mean, it could be. It's pretty good. Could be better, but uh, the Christmas lights are tangled. Yes. But and they bring the, the so the, the solution, the in movie solution for that is to prop up Christine, Christine, Christina, Christina Pletzker, uh, Pletzker. Uh, prop up Christina Pletzker and string the lights around her neck. So that's one option. But Great do option. we are there? Well, a can we go with this one? Okay, I'll select the I'll select that as a hack. Okay, and then B, what are some ways? Am I am I hacking or are you? Hacking? Well, I think we just throw it out there. One person has to confirm it. Okay, so we're just we're just uh... so some way, some other ways to to deal with these Christmas lights. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would say, do you want to work in the context of them being a chain of lights, or do you no. want to look for a different light solution? I think number one is you bring in the drones. Yeah, drones do fix everything. I mean, like, the fi- do you see the fireworks at RNC? They were spelling out Trump and everything? No. Yeah, they, they, I think it's a new thing. Fireworks suck, and now they have, like, fireworks now being replaced by drones. Wow. And so, I'd yeah, say, just uh, have one drone per bulb. Yeah, but they didn't have drones back then. Well, and this I'd is say, not about sure. what they had back then. This I mean, is about- even right now, it's not cost-effective. This is not about cost-effectiveness. Uh, I mean, if you just throw, like, nanobots at everything, then yes. it's too easy. Oh, okay. It's too oh. easy. All right, what else we got? Um, okay, I mean, like, let's say that you have, you know, a self-contained thing, which is, let's say, a small uh, LED combined to a power generator. Mm. Uh, you know, you could have a bunch of those gasoline-powered throughout the store. That's kind of a cyberpunk thing. That's like cool. a steampunk thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's you know, cool. A bunch of petroleum and just, just running a bunch of... Or diesel, a bunch of diesel engines. Um, you could have, and they're not a, connected because now that they're completely independent, uh, you can not have to worry about the string. Sure, uh, you could have very long um, poles that they're just secured to. Oh, like tiki torches? Uh, no, no. I, I was saying a pole that it's like running down the length of, and you store them like that. So you store that. You just have a very like a fifty foot long pole, and you store it just you know, attached to that pole so it never tangles up. Oh, so it's still on a cable. So we're going to yeah. cable. Still on a cable, but just attached to a 50-foot pole so it doesn't ever tangle. Okay, that's good. And then you, uh, well, where do you store the pole during the off-season? <laughs> because now you have, like a, you have a hundred... You oh. store them vertically on the roof. Uh, that's <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah, a lot of, like, we haven't seen much roof action. The only roof scene was deleted, which was the, uh, you know, the murder scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's a good place to store stuff. Um... Okay, so is that is that enough? Is that enough tech? Just um, a, a, a pipe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's industrial tech. Okay, uh, to create would, the pipe, make, make it make it more techy. You know, okay, like, how about um, you glue a bunch of gears in the side? Yes. Uh, well, no, a, a giant gear for hoisting the pole up onto the roof. Oh, simple machines, baby. Yes. Um, and. Uh, okay, that's hack of the app. We have, we have to okay, move on. that's hack of the app. <laughs> Good hack. So, what? what which one? What? What do we win? Which uh, one wins? Well, we just confirmed it. We hacked it. Oh, we hacked it. All right. Good. Yeah. All uh, right, now won. it's uh, where in the air. Where in the air? We'll bring our music back. Um, this is where we take the variable where's I via the software, and we uh, rate the movie as a whole as a whole up to this point as a whole, and uh, these five minutes as a whole. Yes. 
And uh, so I will say, I will tell you right up. Yeah, we, we're gonna do that. That we're gonna do these ratings. Okay, thank you, thank you for that clarification. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, okay, so I would say uh, the movie as a whole, as a whole. Let's count down. Uh, three, two, two, one, one four five stars. stars. I say five oh, stars. Wow, five man. stars. Wow. Okay, Dude. up to this point as a whole. Oh, three, three two, two, one, one four five stars. stars. I say five stars. Oh, wow, it's getting good, huh? Yeah. Okay, this five minutes. This, ready? Yeah. Three, three, two, two one, one, five, six, six stars. stars. Okay, seven stars. Eleven I, it's stars. It's so good. It's so it's good. It's really good. It's a perfect segment. This is an incredible five this minutes. This is the perfect five minutes. It's got a little bit of everything, and it's just so good. It's so good. It's Yeah, it moves so quickly, and it has so much. It's just a pleasant place to spend five minutes in. Oh, so pleasant. Yeah. Okay, uh, yep. let's. Uh, we move on. Let's let's give you a little bit of uh... contact info. Yep. Oh, okay. Well, that one's. I gotta find that one. Well, let's let's see. Okay. Keep a good time. Here's okay. You here's. We'll do it question and answer style. <laughs> you give me a prompt. I will answer it. I'll give you a prompt. You answer it. Ready? Okay. Three, two, one. I want to Twitter you at earful of. I want to email you. Staff at earfulof.com or staff at earfulof.com What's it set up? It is not yet. I want to go to your website. Earfulof.com Good. Great. Very good. That's getting a little bit loud. Uh, I don't know. It's getting well, a little bit cool. When you say the same thing over itself seven times, it starts to get louder. Well, you do some sound engineering. Uh, but out. speaking of uh, too much of a good thing, email is too much of a good thing. You know, it just brings you the joy in life. You know, you, you meet, you, you can have uh, happiness, you can have tragedy. You know, you can become a king or a pauper. Email, truly anything is possible. The world is open to you. Sure. But, but what do you what do you do with those possibilities, Alan? I mean, what it whatever you do with it, it's <laughs> up, up. <laughs> it's up to do you. Check it out. 